My name is Dr. Iglesias, and we want to welcome you to Deep in Your Business. I'll be your host, along with Arvalo Salim Noriega de Hoyos. That man got more names than you know he's a Spanish See, Latin man. people, Latin people. Hey, but, but Mike has some Latin in him, too, you know? Like, he went, he went Michael with... Michael, I guess. Robert Casanova. 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 Yeah. My there goodness. You go. There you go. And today, man, we're going to dig in deep, deep, deep into Guy... Shashetti's business. So we're going to get uh -huh. in. You like how I said that last yeah, name, right? That's cool. it's like, it sounds like real shaggy. Did, did that was it, pretty good. Did he get it right? <laughs> it looked like you were practicing or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been to Banner Brothers. Yeah, uh, nobody says time. it right like that the first yeah. time. So wow. that's pretty good. And I'm Cuban, so I got yeah. away with it. I got away yeah. with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so man, let's dig in, man. Let's learn a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Just tell us a little bit. A little bit about yourself. Born and raised, believe it or not, in an international company in Miami, country called Hialeah. Oh, Hialeah. <laughs> so, international <laughs> company. That was awesome. So, no man's <laughs> land. Most people are surprised by that. So, I grew up yeah. in a 975 square foot home. Oh. So, you're from Hialeah? Yeah, man. Kinda. Yo, yeah. <laughs> Here, bro. That is awesome. The traffic, blood. You're, yeah. like, you're like, oh, I'm Cuban. And he's like, oh, I'm from Hialeah. You know, he beat yeah. you. Yeah. There's not, nine of us oh, growing man. up in that little home. And, you know, when you're wow. when you're in that situation, you don't really know that yeah. you're, you know, you don't know the difference when you're young. Right. Of course. Uh, until you get older and it's you find out. It's fun. That, you know, I found out what Miami Lakes was at some point down the road. I was like, <laughs> that was the other side of the tracks. Do, do they have different addresses? <laughs> yeah. What? You know? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy. So I got four older sisters, two younger brothers. Okay. Um, grew up in a really good home. Mm. Two parents. Nice. Whole wow. way wow. and disciplined. Um, sent all of us to Catholic school. I went to Immaculate Conception for my first eight years. And then uh, ended up going to Palm Springs Junior High for a year. And then I went to Highly Miami Lakes. Okay. Uh, my entire family graduated from Highly Miami Lakes for high school. By the way, it's Hialeah, not Haya. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Hey, I'm Cuban. You got to say it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, sorry about that, Hiya but it's Gia, my man. hood. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, I uh, was an athlete. Okay. My, my entire identity was sports growing up. Hmm. So, um, ended up playing football in high school and uh, got a full ride scholarship to Liberty University nice. in Lynchburg, Virginia. Wow. Okay. Coming out of high school. And uh, it was the only place that offered uh, both myself and my quarterback in high school. We wanted to go play college football together. Hmm. So, it was the only place that offered us both. What position did you play? I was a wide receiver. Okay. Nice. Unfortunately, now I'm just wide. But that's, <laughs> that's just... You don't some, receive anything anymore. No, no, no. Yeah. As a wide receiver, you, you can yeah. catch forever. Yeah. You just can't move the same. Yeah. That's the problem. It's the cutting that gives you a problem. I agree. So I <laughs> so, uh, went off to college, uh, got my degree, and started uh, teaching and coaching in Dade County. Would you get a degree? Seven, uh, seven days after I graduated, I was teaching. Oh, wow. And what was the degree for? Uh, my degree was in physical education. 
Oh, PE. Okay. That's okay. awesome. No, physical education. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's boring, you know. Come on. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> That's awesome. He's from Hialeah, bro. And then, yeah. And then I got my master's degree in health education. So I taught health, PE. Nice. Uh, you know, when you're I was I was the stereotypical coach. Hat every day, whistle around my neck, mm. t-shirt, shorts, sneakers. Mm. You, everybody has that person at their school yeah. that yeah. they remember. Oh, that's coach. That's coach. Yeah. That was me for eight years. And uh loved what I was doing. Um just didn't like being broke. Um got disenchanted with the school system somehow. How long were you there? I was teaching for eight years. Okay. And then um what happened was I was I started a business part-time in financial services. Okay. And uh, it was very part-time because I was coaching football and coaching baseball. I had seven part-time jobs actually at the school. Wow. Uh, oh. Things that I did, like most teachers, you know, they'll do all kinds of things to make extra money. Yeah, you were hustling in order to yeah. make it. Yeah. 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 Right. So I was 25 years old, had $23,000 in credit card debt. I spent more money than I made mm. for every year that I was a teacher. Mm. Wow. And uh, couldn't get ahead. Um, and did not realize that I was entrepreneurial when I was younger because it was all about getting a degree, getting a good job. Right. Well, that's what your family usually tells right. you. Well, know, that's you school. Gotta, Schools yeah. feed you that too. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was uh, four older sisters, two younger brothers, and I was the first one to graduate from college. That's awesome. Um, in my family, and it was it was a great experience, but. In June of, I started coaching and teaching in 1984. So I graduated college uh, May 7th, 1984. May 15th, I'm teaching at Homestead Senior High School. Wow. Okay, I'm 21 years old. And then I taught at Coral Park for Coral Park High School for two years. Coach football, coach baseball. Um, did everything I could to make extra money, taught an extra class. Sponsored a club. That man, I just went to the club while they're meeting and just kind of like, be good. Okay, you know, <laughs> that's all it was. Night school, summer school. Uh, did know everything what? I could to make I can't get out of my head. An American in Hialeah. I lived in Hialeah right on 16. How did you end up in Hialeah? I'm sorry, <laughs> man, but that's just like, I got to get it out my system. I'm old, man. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, uh, Hialeah was all, yeah. you know, it, was, it wasn't all Hispanics. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah. You think from day one it was all... Yeah. Like, I know, I hear you, but there was none at the time. Look at that. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, so yeah. So how did, how did it come about when when... Latino people started, you know, getting to the neighborhood and everybody started like, did you, did you, it meant did nothing you go to through me. that? No, it meant nothing to me. I didn't know Spanish, uh -huh. but all my friends were, of course. <laughs> right. So right. everybody I hung out with spoke mm. Spanish, wow. but I had friends everywhere. It didn't matter. You know, none of that. Right. Like I grew up in a very, uh, you know, there was no color. There was no ethnicity kind of yeah, th world. That's, so that's cool. just, we did too. my parents, yeah. you know, they raised us like that. So I didn't, right. I didn't understand all that till later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I started realizing that experiencing it probably like in college or something like that yeah i mean college was definitely i mean you know you come from the streets of miami so to speak mm -hmm. and then you yeah. end up in lynchburg virginia there was no hispanic <laughs> like right now the truth is pretty much everywhere in the united states yeah, is hispanic you're gonna find people but yeah, but back then yeah there was none no yeah 1980 when i went to lynchburg virginia it was you know 
Yahoo. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, that's just what it was, you know, yeah. which um, was fine with me. I didn't care. I didn't look at any of that anyway. It was just right. the way it was. Of but, course. And then, uh, so in June of 1991, uh, my frustration with the school system ended when I walked away. Oh, wow. And of course, everybody thought I was crazy. You're leaving a guaranteed job to go do uh, that thing. My mom told me, don't leave teaching. We need good teachers. You're a good teacher. I said, yeah, I know I'm a good teacher. I'm not leaving teaching. I'm just teaching something else. I'm teaching people about money and how okay. it works. Okay. Put, help them get their finances together. Mm. And our business allows you to build a business. So you can recruit, train, and develop people. And as you do that, you can override their production forever. And hmm. was that the first idea hmm. that you had in terms of business, or you developed that within within um, some time? I think a lot of a lot of uh, the development came when I when I look back at it through sports. Like uh, what it takes to win is universal. Okay. So it doesn't really matter whether it's business or athletics. There's certain fundamental things that if you want to win, the formula is easy. Following the formula is hard. Mm. So nobody really wants to do what's necessary to make it happen. Well, nobody wants to put the work in it. Whether you understand right. the formula or not, you have to put the work, and then nobody wants to do that. Right. Yeah. That's, that, that's exactly true. Yep. And you also have to have a system that will get you to where you want to go. Yep. Because otherwise you're so, trial and error, I mean, and then I, you never get I could I could have sold widgets my whole life and just, you know. But what I found out was... You can't exchange time for money and expect to get ahead. Yeah. So most people spend their entire life putting in a certain amount of hours in a job. Okay. At X amount of money. X you amount know, per of money. Hour. Yeah. Their income is dependent on what they do. So even if you make great money per hour, you know, it's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you can only make so much money. Yeah. Okay. So if you own a business, you get guys working for you. Yeah. Right. So that you can be more places. Now you got multiple streams of income. Well, in the mousetrap that I found, okay, this business allowed me to have unlimited amounts of people and I bought into it. At, what, at, what, at, what, my, age, at what age did you start that? Uh, I was 20, see, 1987. So I was 25. So you so you did the eight uh, the eight years of teaching and then you found that job? no I started I, I didn't finish teaching until 91 but I started part time in 87 oh, okay I so got it was three and a half years part time in the yeah. business and that's what you get in your well your... I'm, I'm I'm deciding whether I want to you know like football's everything so I'm not I'm <laughs> never gonna quit coaching football because that yeah. was your passion that was the last thing that I quit was Ooh. that and then okay. the, the next thing was teaching and people were like you're not gonna teach like you're gonna walk away from right. this Secure. I was two years away from being vested in the pension, okay? Oh. And uh, I looked at what that meant. And it meant, at the time, that at age 65, they would pay me $265 a month for the rest of my life. And wow. you had to, you had to oh, stay man. stuck there for, for, your two, home, two more for years. the rest of your life? For, no, for okay. two more years to be vested, Okay, just to be right. vested. Sure. And if I stayed you know, for 30 years, 40 years, like everybody else does, it would be a lot more. But okay. I was introduced to business. I read books. I listened to a lot of tapes. Um, you know, it, it it's a pretty simple formula, right? Like, if you want to learn to, how to be successful, you go to successful people and find out what they did. Right. Yeah. The yeah. problem is, uh, one of the most successful people in the world, uh, let's use Michael Jordan as an example. I'd love to learn, I'd love to have lunch with Michael Jordan. 
Find out what it takes to win. How do you reach? The problem is I ain't going to do that. So all these successful people, you know what they do? They write books. Yeah. They put out podcasts. They put out tapes. They tell you what it takes to win. All you got to do is listen and then apply it. But everybody listens and they don't apply it. Or they apply for a little while. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like everybody can win to a point. Right? Because you mentioned, uh, you know, having thick skin. Right. Well, most people don't have thick skin. Yeah, that's true. So the way I grew up, I was always, it might be hard to believe now, I was always the smallest person on every team I've ever played. Hmm. Smallest, lightest, way back then. Did that put a chip on your shoulder? Of course. (laughs) I had to survive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was, you know, so I was faster than everybody else. So that helped a lot, you know. Um, But it was like you learn what it takes to survive and win and still thrive. Yeah. Right? Even though you're undersized, even though you're, you know, physically not gifted as other people are. So um, in 1991, I left coaching and teaching. The first year, full-time, I made what I made coaching and teaching, and I was the most frustrated person in the world. (laughs) Because all around me in my business, there are all these guys making large dollars. Mm. So I'm like, I thought I go full-time because I'm tough and I'm uh, persistent and I'll do whatever it takes to win. I just thought success was just going to happen. And there's a lot of things that I learned along the way and got better at that I teach all the time now about what it takes to win that most people don't even think about until they're in the middle of the storm. Mm. Wow. And a lot of times at that point, they drown. And that's they, when they're willing to take risks. Yeah. Because there's mm. nothing else. There's no, nothing no, else to lose. To lose. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Tell me about yeah. it because I'm there. Yeah. You know, tell <laughs> me about or they, it. Or they go back to jobs, right? Yeah. They go back to a job. They go back. Yeah. They leave. They leave all that. Okay. So I, I bought in childlike faith put my head down, went to work, did what most people weren't willing to do, made massive phone calls, did massive appointments, started recruiting and training and developing people. And the greatest satisfaction of our business is I could take an average dude who just wants to be somebody in the worst way, wants to do something special with his life, and invest in that person and tell them, look, man, I can show you how to become successful. Can show you the way. Yeah. Now, I can't do it for you. Yep. Okay, as long as you stay coachable, okay, which is a very difficult thing, because look, on a scale of one to ten, one being mentally, you're a mental midget. Somebody looks at you wrong and you go cry. Right. Okay. All the way to a ten, watch out. Just get out of the guy's way. Coming through. Coming through. Yeah. Mentally strong. Nothing. Figured it out already. Mm Mm-hmm. Most people that I've recruited in my business, they're twos and threes on a scale of one to 10. Mm. They need a lot of work. Why? Because they don't know anything about being an entrepreneur. They don't know anything about, most of them aren't athletics, uh, didn't, didn't learn a lot through athletics, right? Or didn't have a lot of success. So I, I would look for people that had success in something. It, well, didn't, but, it didn't have to be athletics, but it could have been sports. It could have been music. It could have been. But entrepreneurship has this issue, which is. Everybody gets into it with an idea of a business, a product, a service, but they don't understand the business side of it. They understand the idea and what they want to do, what they want to um, serve or what they want to feel. And they think that because they, they're going to do that, they're going to make money. 
And that's when you start facing all these realities, which, hey, but what do you mean this is not happening? What do you mean? That? And then you start figuring out, oh, wow, I got into a world that I really don't know anything about. And then you start right. getting hurt because you put all these goodwill and effort in, in stuff that really doesn't make any money. Right. And, right. and the second mm. thing I noticed that there's a lot of pyramid schemes. So when you hear coaching, oh, it's a pyramid scheme. You got to buy into a, a pyramid scheme. Oh. A lot of people get scared. They back off. So it's really hard to find that niche where you can really be successful. Yeah. But mm. You said something really cool. And I was talking to somebody today about it. Today, you can coach people, and that's mentorship. And today in society, we lack a lot of, oh, yeah. of that. You know, We don't have mentorship, and everything is learned through videos in the internet, and everything is learned through gurus and all this stuff. And you have to go through 10 gurus that are fake and that take your money to find somebody that actually you know gives you the way or or, or hold your hand and walk yeah you it's, it's gonna get you under their wing and, yeah. and they're gonna guide you through it so how did you get to that point where you where you learned the way and then you started coaching people yeah so <clears throat> coaching people early on all the time i just didn't have all the answers yet but around me in my business were people who got me into the business who were significantly more successful than i was and our business was very nurturing when it came to mentorship. But you got to be coachable. Very few people are coachable. 100% think they're coachable. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Because yeah. at one point... They're willing to do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll do anything it takes. But at one point, when they start getting successful and stuff, they go, oh, I know what I'm doing. And then they stop being coachable and they think... Either that mm -hmm. or they're unwilling to make the changes. The necessary changes to Correct. be successful. Yeah. See, like, I learned some valuable lessons early in life that I was able to take with me that helped me tremendously in sports, tremendously in everything I did from early in high school through college and into my career teaching. And because of that, when I got into the business, I just thought everybody knew all these things. <laughs> I thought everybody's <laughs> mentally tough. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to be worried about somebody saying no. I was in financial services for six years and not one family member, four older sisters, two younger brothers, and my parents. They weren't clients. I was in it for six years and couldn't get my own family to sit down and listen to what I had to say. Wow. So you better be tough yeah. if, if your family won't even listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It took six years before they finally came around. So during that time, most other people would quit. Right? Now, I was influenced by my family. My mom told me, don't quit teaching. Right. My dad on the side, without my mom's ears hearing it, go for it, son. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have gone for it. Of course, because yeah. and my, if, if well, my dad was it, an entrepreneur. But he wasn't an entrepreneur where he was replacing himself and duplicating himself mm. and creating multiple streams of income from different people. He was trying to make it probably like I was saying, you know, to you, oh, I'm going to make a business and I'm going to try to make it. And I don't know how, but, you know, it's going to it's going to work. And yeah, yeah. Just and he was successful, but he wasn't. Uh, listen, if you're an entrepreneur and you're surviving and living and it's it's you doing it. <laughs> There's nothing, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. yeah. It's the best true. thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> no boss, nobody telling you where to be, yeah. how to be there. Yeah. That, that kind of freedom 
is foreign to most people. Because most people are in a in a job. Yeah, it's right. so okay? true. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, job for them is just over broke, right? They keep you just over <laughs> being true. broke. Yeah, you true. never really get ahead. Exactly. You know, you might put a couple nickels in your four hundred one k, or something like that. Yeah. But you know, really, you're just getting by. Yeah. From a financial standpoint. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You may be great spiritually. You may be great physically. You may be great in all these other de- areas, but. There's something that financial resources gives you that it gives you a tremendous amount of choices and options right. for you, for your family, et cetera. So like I said, I put my head down. That was June of 1991. I made, I made an equal amount of money. I left coaching and teaching making like 40 grand a year. My first year full-time, I made $41,000. All of my income, almost 100% of it came from me even though I had people on my team. Almost all of it. Not 100%, but almost all of it. Now, let me ask you they, a question. Yeah. Was it the the job was sales-based or was it um, just recruiting people to make sales teams out of them? Right. So we call it sales management. Okay. So if I recruited all three of you, I would mentor you, teach you, train you, every product, every service, how to do everything. A to Z, okay? And because I was a teacher, I was very structured and right. unorganized. Yeah. That's just the way I was. So I developed training manuals. Like right now, you can go to my website. I've got three or 400 videos on there of how to do every aspect of the business. So for anybody who wants to learn, they can go out there, never have to talk to me again, and they're going to know everything that they need, they need to know to become successful. So and you laid out the blueprint. Right. And right. all you got to do is find a few like crazy people like you <laughs> doesn't have you know doesn't have to be everybody and they they grab onto it and take off and that's what happened so hey, guy i had a yeah. question um because you keep throwing out the words they're very successful like what's your definition of success um there's different definitions of success first of all if we're talking about financial success yeah it's one thing if we're talking about success in life it's completely another right so To answer that, I'll go back to what happened to me in third grade. Catholic school, we had to go back to school to take this test at night. It's one of those, like, is your school doing well? Are, are the kids keeping up? I forgot the name of the test. But the instructor went back to the school, sat in the cafeteria with a whole bunch of other students, and they put in front of me a diagram with a square, a circle, and a triangle. The problem was they were all intersecting. Like, I could draw a square all day. I could draw a rectangle. I could draw a triangle. No problem. They told me to draw what I saw, which was all three of those shapes intersecting. Okay. I couldn't do it. You got confused? I, 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 I just, yeah. And I remember mm. feeling the instructor over my shoulder, mm. you know, even yeah. in third grade. It's like, and then I look over and I see him talking to my parents. With this, oh, can't do it. I, you, you see that, as, you know. Yeah. I was very self-aware, right? And then on the way home, there was this silence in the car. And of course, my mom, <laughs> my mom breaks the silence, <laughs> yeah. and she goes, uh, "So, uh, guy, uh, you couldn't do that." I'm like, "Nope, couldn't do it." Like, don't ask me any more questions. I don't, talk I don't about talk it. about this. Okay, <laughs> right? Well, I could tell you from that day on, my parents were the most encouraging people in the wow. world when it came to sports. 
Oh, because that's what you love yes. to do. Oh, man. That was my so honor cool. roll. God, I made the so honor cool. roll on the field. Got it. Mm. Okay. But in the classroom, it was all about just getting by. Mm. Which got, we got we got to figure out how to get yes, them by. I get it. Okay. So everything was about sports. Just somehow get by. So I just got by until I got into high school. And in high school, oh. they said, oh, you want to keep playing sports? There's this thing called a GPA. If you don't keep it at a certain level, you're not going to play sports. Wow. And I'm like... You're gonna take away the old that that's my honor roll. You can't yeah. take away my honor roll. Mm. I instantly became one of the smartest people I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy. That's awesome. Because I have your same story. I just didn't instantly become the smartest person. Right. Yeah, I just didn't play sports. Well, I say know? instantly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I started to apply myself. Of course, yeah. I get it. We get so it. So I'm like, yeah. I got focused. Yeah. And listen, yeah. I was the kid you would have medicated growing up. He he would have been medicated big time. Like in today's world, oh, we got to medicate him. That he sounds can, like me. he can't sit still. Yeah, right. But think about it. Yeah. School—it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's so boring. You sit it's there for so eight boring. hours, and you take boys who are just like, I can't sit here anymore. Yep. And you so want to sit them down for eight hours <laughs> in a school day? Yep. Yeah. That was it's me. the most ridiculous thing in the world, yeah. and nobody changes it. And, and, and yeah. in yeah. my in my time, it was like okay. You gotta be quiet. You gotta be. You gotta shut up. Everybody look forward. Everybody, you know, put your hair this way. And it was like, everybody was like a cookie cutter type of thing. And it's yeah. like, where's your personality? Where is where is your individuality? There was none of that. That's and right. if you got out of the mold, they will like. Oh, there was you something know, wrong with you. Oh, they will they will strain you out like big Did time. Did they spank you in Colombia? Mm, they spanked us I, here. I in, didn't. In, I didn't have Robert that. Lee and Jackson. No, I, well, I went to a Catholic school back oh, in the day. Okay, so yeah, because wow. they, they used the, to the they nuns would come. Yeah, the ruler. The nuns used to put yeah. the ruler on the yeah. on the hand. Though. I got yeah. all of that. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> and then I'd go I, home and get it. I got I got none of that. I didn't get that. I didn't get that either. But my brother and my sister, because they're older, I think they 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 got that stuff. Yeah. See, yeah, yeah. You you must have missed it. You're not old. Yeah, enough. yeah, yeah. Like you know, I was I was like, I mean, my brother is like six years older than me. My sister's like nine. So yeah, you know, they, I had a lot of I had a lot stuff. of priests and nuns that would have done jail time today. Yeah, yeah. Oh, me definitely. Too. Yeah, my yeah, parents yeah. might have been <laughs> yeah. sent to jail yeah. <laughs> in today's world. It's just crazy yeah. What, yeah. how how everything is so backwards. And uh, anyway, so I, I get I get into tenth uh, grade, and. I, I ended up having like a 3.2 GPA, finished top 10% of my high school class, which understand there was 3,200 students in my high school and 1,200 in my graduating class. Oh, wow. So it's a very large oh, huge. public school, okay, at the time. And uh, everything changed. And the reason it changed is because when I was in 10th grade, I was invited by Johnny Thomas. He played running back on the football team. He said, guy, we want you to come to a meeting. I said, sure, what is it? He said, it's called FCA. I said, what's FCA? He said, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So what do they do? Now, what year was that again? This was 1978. Oh, wow. Mm. 1978, Johnny Thomas invites me to come to this FCA meeting. And, uh, of course, I'm Catholic. So I know all the stories. I'm, ah, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. But I wasn't Catholic like most people. <laughs> I was in it. Altar boy for four years, church every Sunday. I was Catholic. Okay. Okay. My my family was Catholic. My my dad drove the bus. Okay. On oh, Sundays. Wow. I mean, it was like we were in. You were in it. Okay. Big time. All of us went to a Catholic school, which I never could understand how he paid for. I think <laughs> driving the bus was partly how he Probably. paid for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But so 
I, I went. I said, what's that about? He goes, well, we just teach athletes how to, how to cope with all the stuff we got to go through as athletes. I'm like, great, let's do it. I go there. It's really cool. Thought it was awesome. That summer, he said, man, there's a FCA camp coming up in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and there's going to be a whole bunch of professional athletes there. Now, I look back then, and I was extremely cocky <laughs> about sports. <laughs> okay. Not so much about academics, even though I was making that change at the time. <clears throat> so I, I thought, man, I can't wait to show off to these pro athletes and show them how good I am. <laughs> you know, that's how arrogant, right? My, my, I remember my mindset at the time. So I go to Black Mountain, North Carolina. It's a whole week of camp. Every single day, we're out on the field. They're teaching us all these stuff. I'm jacked up. Couldn't get enough of it. But we also would have these uh, sessions inside where these athletes would get up and they talk about their life and so about how they had everything. They're giving their testimony yeah. and stuff. Giving, give, giving their story, right? Okay. Yeah. So they're giving their story and they're talking about they have, have everything, got the money, they got the cars, they got the women, they got the this and this. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's what I want. You know. And then I and, lost everything. Right. Well, it was that. It was <laughs> yeah. I lost everything and it was also, but there was they felt empty inside. Uh, yeah. Wow. And every one of them, of course, had this testimony of accepting Jesus. Okay. Wow. And I heard it all week, and I'm like, man, I'm glad I did that already. <laughs> You're like, I'm in. I'm in. I, I, I know every story I knew. <laughs> I'm part of this club. Yes. I'm part of this club. Yeah, I'm in. This yeah. is great. You know? And on the last day, my counselor pulls me aside. He said, let me ask you a question. Because he noticed that I wasn't being affected the way a lot of the other kids were, who didn't have any background. Okay. Like, I knew every... Bible story, you know, taught from a Catholic perspective. Yep. I knew everything. Yep. And uh, you were familiar with the whole thing yeah, that they were talking it, it, about. I wasn't, yeah. It wasn't strange to me yep. at all. Yeah. And uh, he said, Let me ask you a question. If you died today, would you go to heaven? I said, Of course. I'm in. I'm in, man. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I believe all, everything. Yeah. I, I believe it all. Right. He goes, Yeah, but if you were in front of God and he said, Why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? <laughs> I grew up going to church. My whole family's Christian. My whole family's, you know, Catholic. We, you know, I did the sacraments. I did all of them. I mean, everything, you know? And he knew that I had a lot of head knowledge, okay? And then he started to walk me through what the Bible said. Hmm. Hmm. Took me to Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 623, where the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then the Holy Spirit began to work. Yes. Right? And it became obvious that I had a lot of head knowledge, but I didn't have heart knowledge. Wow. So he took me to Romans 10, 9, where he talked about if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. He literally walked me through. And I may not remember everything, but I remember that the Romans, Romans, Romans. Later on, much later on, I learned there was a thing called the Romans, Romans Road. Road. I didn't understand yeah. any of that at yeah. the time. Yeah. But he was walking me through that, you know, and it took me right to the point where I realized I, I don't fully comprehend what wow. it means to be a Christian. How old were you at the time? 16. Wow. That's that was That's awesome, young. dude. I accepted the Lord. Wow. Okay, this is 46 years ago now. Wow. Okay, 46 years. Accepted the Lord that night, okay? Changed everything. Hmm. For the next three years, I'm in the Word every day, hmm. every night. I don't even I don't remember how I found it, but there was a Christian radio station in Miami, and every night I would go to bed 
at 11 p.m. listening to John MacArthur do a, some sermon. So that was how I got mm. discipled mm. without even realizing I'm being discipled, right. along with doing FCA. So I'm leading an FCA now as a junior and senior in high school. I'm kind of like the, the head of the club and, and you know, <laughs> doing all that. And all my friends are coming and, you know, none of us perfect, right? They'd still go to parties, some of them, you know, do stuff. And I'd go to the party, but really not do anything, you know. And then every once yeah. in a while, I'd fall a little bit and not be who I'm, you know what I mean, at the time. And it was just this wild experience, which, of course, my parents didn't care for very much because they were, in their mind, losing their son. Because you're Catholic. <laughs> yeah. I was, was going to yeah. ask you. Yeah. I was, was going to go there because, <laughs> big one. you know, your, your whole... That's a big one. Your whole uh, tradition... Yes. Uh, it's been broken at that time. Yes. And yeah. you said, man, my life changed. How did you feel and embrace the change? And how did that affect you with your family? Yeah. It, it was really rough <laughs> at times. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Really rough at times. And here's what I remember God had his hand, looking back, God had his hand on everything the whole time. How would I end up at Liberty University, the number one Christian college in the country? <laughs> That's Street the scholarship you got. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And the fact that I decided to go there and not the five or ten other places, which were smaller colleges. Remember, I'm small, right? I'm yep. undersized. You know, the real big colleges are like, nice try. Now, I could have walked on anywhere and probably played eventually, but I couldn't walk on. Couldn't. I could, couldn't pay attention. I couldn't pay for school. I couldn't do anything. There's no wow. way. So I went where it was free. Yeah. And I'm at the a Christian fundamentalist. Understand, I've, I wasn't in that environment. I was never in the church environment. So I didn't understand. Like a lot of people grow up in the church. They see it. We have this similar story, so right. I completely understand yeah. you. So I didn't understand yeah. the lingo and the and everybody, you the know Christi what I mean? The Christian yeah. 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 So I get to Liberty University. Everything's like... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're going to fellowship, brother? Like, yeah. <laughs> huh? what, like, is what is going on, man? These people are weird. You know? How come they don't understand? Like, it was, it was, yeah. it was a very difficult thing, but... God was showing me the whole way. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, you see all that, right? You see all the posing and all the people who act a certain way and have learned how to act in a certain environment. Yeah. Yes. Okay? But for me, it was more about surrender, giving myself up. Yeah. So that, that lesson that I learned about my academic thing, when I became a Christian, I'd learned early on where it said God made you in his image. Mm -hmm. I embrace that. Yeah. I run into very few Christians who embrace the fact that they're made in the image of God. If I'm made in the image of God, what is there that I can't do? Nothing. Right. As long as I'm doing what he is asking me to do and I'm in his will and not my own, yeah. I'm going to thrive. And I'm shocked to this day how few people embrace that real simple truth. Because once you realize that, what, what is it you can't do? Well, but it comes, it comes with what you were saying. You know, if you don't surrender, then you won't be able to, to make part. You, you won't be able to be part of the kingdom of God if you don't surrender. So people are fighting against the kingdom because they live in the kingdom of the world. If you understand that and you surrender, then the kingdom of God is 
is going to be revealed to you. Correct. Yeah. And Correct. let me just connect that with what you said before. You were describing success. So how did that connect with the definition of success that you were trying to, to give yeah, us? Yeah, right. So I had a lot of success in sports. Not just being really good athletically, but leadership. Captain of the team. I go off to Liberty University my senior year. I'm the captain of the football team, the offensive captain, right? So all of that came because I just stepped up. I, I, didn't, I didn't care about being part of the crowd. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something special and unique, and I didn't really care what other people thought. But that was really your passion, you know, like yeah. you, that, that was what you loved the most. So you gave yourself to that. Yes. Right. And then it was weird because the last thing you would ever think I would do is financial services. Like if, if you knew me, <laughs> it's like if it doesn't have something to do with sports, he ain't doing it. Right. Well, but mm. but there's a connection there because I come from I come from not sports. You know, I, I've been an artist my whole life. I was a professional dancer for for a bunch of years And then I got into uh, fitness as well. But I end up in the same conclusion as you. Uh, I see that there's a way. Uh, every instructor starts being popular, getting a lot of people. And then the dream is, oh, you're going to have your own gym. And then you have your gym chain. And, and I never saw myself there. I always was like, ah, that doesn't call my attention. I don't feel passionate about that. Right. I want I want to express artistic things into fitness or into I just I just wanted to express artistic things with my, with the talents God gave me, but I never knew how to monetize that. And I find myself in a place uh pretty much of what you were saying, you know, I end up in the in the in the world of sales a couple of years ago, uh couple of people tell me, oh, you're really good at sales. I'm like, dude, I've never sold anything. He's like, you've been an instructor for 20 years. You've been selling yourself every day for 20 years. And I'm like, okay, I never saw it like that, but I've never sold a product or anything like that. As soon as I start making sales and stuff, I start seeing, you know, money coming in and, and this world of sales and products. And I started just like seeing it. And I'm like, I can make more money using my talents, my artistic talents, creating products and services and selling them to help people than having a gym or working 10 hours a day. Or So I end up with the same idea after many, many years. But there's a connection there because that toughness of sports and, and physical activity is what gives you the vision of, man, I see the business, so I'm going to go after it. And you and you go with that same passion as as you went for your sport, mm. and no question if, if about you it. don't have that, it it the the the, the whole business world is going to eat you up. Oh no, it's going to eat you no up because it's so hard. So in our business, when I said earlier, you got to be coachable. My goal as a teacher, coach, even in business, because I I looked at the business not not as me being a salesperson. That made me want to throw up. Okay. Yeah, because sales, 
the, the conception of sales is like somebody that's pushy and they want to they wanna force you to do something that you don't want. And it, it's, just, it's just a totally different. Right. It's a misconception of it. Right. So our business was totally different. But what I enjoyed most is taking somebody on a two or, th two or three on that continuum and bring them along and get them to start believing in themselves, get them to begin to, to go, oh, I think I can do this. The inner growth yes, of the person. Yes, the growth That's of the person. So cool. And only coachable people move closer to where. See, in order to be really successful, you need to be a seven, eight, nine, or ten. Seven, you can, you can make some money. And, and and survive for the rest of your life. You were saying you but, got you got twos and threes. Yes. So if you take them from two to three to seven, they're good. But if they get to ten, they did the oh. whole way. Yeah. And I've got I've got a bunch of tens on my <laughs> That's team awesome. now. That's okay. Awesome. So long story short, recruiting, training, developing, and they're doing the same thing. Okay, 130 offices, over 10,000 financial advisors on the team now. Wow. How long did it take you to get to Well, that from place? 1991 till now. Oh. And yeah, that's persistence. there's some absolute studs on my team who are killers, you know? <laughs> in a awesome. in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure, sure. In a good way. And <clears throat> the beautiful thing about it, ever since I went full time, I'm still going to church every weekend. I'm involved. I'm doing I'm always involved serving somewhere, doing something. My business has always been from day one. Everybody knows what I'm about. Thousands of people in my business are Christians today because of my wife and I's talk uh, and walk in Christ. And we just bring Christ into everything without hitting him over the head with a Bible. Yeah. And people just get attracted to I don't know what it is. There's something different about them, <laughs> but I want it. Yeah. I want to know what it is that's different. That's awesome. Sure. Okay, why are they like that? They don't respond like everybody else does. There's something there. Yeah. Okay? So I think that's made a huge difference, not just in our business. But ultimately, I wanted freedom to go do ministry and the work of the Lord at a high level without having to worry about money. That's that's everybody's dream. Yes. <laughs> so, right? Like, I don't want to have to worry about money. Yeah. Right? Because most people have to put in massive hours. Yep. Okay? In order to have, well, with 10,000 people, you don't have to put in massive hours anymore. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a lot of clients, even today. Some people only want to see me, all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. back in the day, I worked harder than anybody I knew. Well, you know, it, it, does, put, it doesn't come overnight. You right. Know? right. Like, that success doesn't come overnight. Yeah. You have to... Do your due diligence, but at one point you will you will be established and you'll be able to do what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. So when I came into the business, I really wasn't a two or a three. Sports and work ethic and persistence and not caring what other people thought brought me in as like a five or a six already. Where most people come in, they haven't learned a lot of that yet. Right? They were maybe uh coddled when they grew up and never really had to to fight through or anything like that. So it's a little different for them. <laughs> and I tell them in training all the time, here's what it takes. And you're going to need to make some decisions about what you really want. But the other side of that is I always told people, listen, I don't know what God's will for your life is. I know what it is for mine. But if he doesn't want you here, go do something else. Because this business is way too hard if you're not sure 
whether or not you're supposed to yeah, be here. For you to be wasting your time. You're going to waste your time. Hours, because hours. if you're questioning all the time whether you're supposed to be here, yep. you're not going to be successful. You're right. just going to be frustrated all the time. Yeah. Now, let me ask you Let me ask you a question in regards to that, because you said something very interesting, that people tell you, hey, there's something here that, that I don't know what it is, but I want it. How do you define the 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 business culture in uh, that you have created because that has to do a lot with what people feel you know the 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 culture of a business says a lot of the people that's in it uh the the founders of the of the business so how how do you define the culture of your business in that sense that people feel something different yeah so when you're around people who are just getting after it and that's the standard, people who are unwilling to meet that standard walk away on their own. <laughs> Definitely. Like, to give you an idea, right now, our business is recruiting 2,800 people a month. And all 2,800 are not ready to win. Most of them are twos and threes. Yep. Right. Some of them are so soft that... They disappear after they start. First week. Yeah. yeah. First week they're yeah. out. Yep. <laughs> what's what's the website? What's the name of the business? Uh it's Primerica. It's financial services. Okay. Uh New York Stock Exchange Company. Okay. Largest financial services marketing organization in the world with over hundred about 140,000 licensed representatives. And um we're pretty much all over the United States and Canada. And we sit down with families and help them get their finances together. Insurances investments, mortgages, yeah, pretty much I, I everything a, there is to learn about. You had Primerica? You no, said? no. I had, oh. a, I had a friend that sat down with me and okay. we did all that stuff. And right. in the beginning of my marriage, you know, right. we did all that stuff. It was a just a two or three, right? No, just kidding. No, like, like, <laughs> but I'm a five now. No, he, was, he, was an older, he was an older guy, yeah, a yeah. friend of mine. The funny I, thing is about that, yeah. everything's timing, man. Right. Because if course. I catch somebody in the wrong timing, of course, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. yeah, but if I look at somebody and go, man, that guy could be good. Yeah, do you guarantee you? I'm coming back to you. Yeah, yeah. Right at some point, I was hitting you again and find out. Hey, man, how you yeah. doing? How's it going? Things okay? Things the same? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I know what our business can give to somebody who wants to get after it. Got it. Yeah. The amount right. of freedom and the amount yeah. of people now in our business that have left jobs, are living free, love life. Because they've built businesses and teams, and as a result of that, I mean, that's just the way it works. Like, everybody chooses how they're going to make money. Yep. Job, sales, commission, whatever it is. I just found a great mousetrap, okay? And the founder of our company, a guy named Art Williams, former football coach, most motivating person I've ever met in my life, <laughs> and I'm sitting there listening to him every week, just like, I mean, I want to come out of my skin. It was like he was talking my language. So that had a huge impact on me, as did a lot of other people that are mentors in the business. Well, well we were talking about the, right. men the mentorship. Yeah. Like it's so key to have a mentor in order, in order to show you the way so you don't have to bump your head you know, along the way. And, and that's the thing. Well, here's another very important thing that I did that a lot of people don't do. I learned from other people's mistakes. I didn't have to make them all myself. Yep. Some people think, oh, you gotta you gotta go through it yourself to really learn. I'm like that's not true. I'm like, why? Yeah. That's not true. Why do I gotta do what you did? I I, I just saw what you did. I'm not gonna do that. I learned that lesson in mm. my family because 
like I said before, my brother and my sister were older. So whenever they made mistakes, they will make sure to tell me, hey, don't do this that I just did. Don't be stupid. And I'm like, totally right. You know, you're told, why would I do what I just saw that, that hurt you? This makes no sense. Oh, but you have to do it on your own. No, I don't. Like, no, I don't. So mentorship is huge, not only in business, but in life, you know, like um, a grandpa telling something to his grandson and passing on that knowledge and that that legacy that it's just mm. it's just so important. Yeah. And because yeah. we're so disconnected today from our fathers and from our grandfathers, there's this cloud of that's a that's a 10 hour podcast it's just crazy it would just be scratching the scratch yeah. at that yeah. point of yeah. that topic right there yeah mm-hmm. because yeah. i run into those people every and day. recruit those people every day yeah. in my business in the band of brothers we're, we're, what i do in ministry where we, we come from that and yeah. you know we've been discussing about all of these topics saying man like part of the reason why we did this this podcast is is to be able to talk about these things openly because um, most people, not only in the church, but in society itself, they don't, they, they're not open to talk about these things. And it's important for us to talk about it because first of all, we have to say, Hey, I'm missing mentorship, you know? And, and, and the other thing is how do we fix this? You know what I'm saying? So um, based on what you were saying, you, you coach people and you had that talent of, coaching you know god gave you that coaching talent you know you started with 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 sports but then you end up doing businesses now with that how 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 does your family how do you translate that to your family what's the legacy you know for your family outside of the business you know how do you translate the coaching part and and passing on your 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 knowledge to your family right so I've been married for 34 years, and got three boys. Javin's 30. Oh, wow. Asher's 27, and Tyrus is 24. My oldest, Javin, is a youth pastor. He runs the youth department and the young adults at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. He took it over when he was 22. He's 30. Wow. And massive leader. Ended up going to Liberty University to play football. <laughs> Found his wife F- following there. Following the steps of his dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought so, but not really. <laughs> Significantly smarter. Didn't have any issues believing in himself uh, about his academic abilities. None of that. Um, extremely successful. He's like that firstborn child. You know, they talk about birth order, yeah. firstborn, perfect, <laughs> does everything right, all that kind of stuff. My middle son, Asher, is a music producer. Oh, wow. Totally different. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. White kid with dreads. Really? Right? <laughs> he makes it work. That's wow. awesome. Probably would have never thought, right? That's like, cool. You got a kid with... Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> he's like, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's very, very talented. Wow. He's making massive strides in his uh, music right now. Hmm. Um. What type of music genre? <laughs> it's it's unique. Uh-huh. It's under the EDM category, mm-hmm. but it's really not EDM. Some of it is well, because if, that's what people want. Well, if he, he produces electronically, you know, like the, yeah. that's why it's cataloged as EDM. Yeah. yeah, right. 
Right. But there's a lot of his songs that are like really like, oh man, that's really hip. That's not EDM at all. <laughs> okay. You know? And he's got a lot of different like well-known uh, singers uh, taking his music and putting words to it and stuff like that. So oh, he's, cool. he's really doing that big time. And my, my youngest son is figuring it out. He's the podcaster himself and the editor and, and nice. you know, just doing different stuff, right? But one of the things that I always taught my kids, no matter what they were doing, was whatever you're doing, you're doing it with everything that you got. <laughs> Go all in. You're yeah. all in. That's you're playing cool. a sport, you're going all in. That's cool. Mm. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't care if you have a job, but whatever your sport you're doing, you're going after it. And I will help you go after it at the highest level. So my middle son, who's the music producer, wanted to, when he was in middle school, decided he wanted to do pole vaulting. Really? Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's one well, of these. Well, weird too. Right. I guess. <laughs> That's true. So, so there's, a, there's a pole vaulting coach who just happened to be in South Florida getting his shoulder surgery down at University of Miami. He starts going around to all these tracks, high school tracks where the track meets are going on. And he's, Scouting? Well, he just said, does anybody want to learn how to do pole vaulting? Because there wasn't a lot of people in South Florida doing pole vaulting. Uh-huh. And he's a pole vaulter at a high level. Long story short, we meet him. His name is Daniel Ryland. He, teach, he t t tells us about this place in Arkansas. Number one coach there is in the world in pole vaulting. So, boom, we're at camps in Arkansas. We're just like putting him in environments wow. where he could become, you know, really good, really fast. And he was all in. That's what he did. Boom, 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 boom. So he works hard. He does now. He works really hard in his music. Right, and that's what you got to get after it. He took the lessons from yep. it, and then yeah, found the niche. Right, so all those lessons about working hard, and that's you know, people think, oh, I can do that. I can work hard. <laughs> yeah, but you've never done it to this point in your life. Yes. So you can say you're going to be a hard worker. Yep. You can say you're not lazy. Okay. In our business, we tell people, listen, to be successful, you only have to work a half a day. So you just got to choose which twelve hours it is. <laughs> oh, is that what a half a day? Yeah, it's twenty-four hours in a day, man. Yeah, like you want to. Like at some point, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to put your head down. Yeah. It's not going to be like you just kind of like walk in the room and then, woo! God says, "I bless you yeah. for doing nothing." Doesn't work like that. Never mm -hmm. has. Never will. Yeah, you have to be in other people's eyes. You're going to be imbalanced for a while. It's going to look to other people yeah. like you have your priorities all messed up. Okay? That's how I knew I was over the target. When I was making other people uncomfortable with how hard I was working. <laughs> but I can tell you this, for the right kind of people, it was attractive. Yeah. And they might have been or two or three on the scale. They're like, I want to do that. I, 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 what do I got to do? And others were like, oh, no way. See ya. Train's moving. Get on or get left. Yeah. <laughs> We're going. Because I always knew there's tons of people out there that want to win. Of course. And I'll go find them. Yeah. I'll figure out a way to find them. But I'm going to win. Yeah. And that was my message every week to my team. And the right kind of people, listen, most of them love being in the environment. Yeah. Because when you're in an environment of winning and people working hard and people making it happen, people wanted to be around that. Right. Didn't mean they want. Didn't mean they were gonna do it. Of course, they want to ride the train. They want to just be on the train <laughs> yeah. and go. Hey, hey, yeah. Turn on the music. This uh -huh. is awesome. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Great. Didn't mean you were gonna win, but yeah. 
a lot of those people were coachable, stuck around, stayed in it. I've been doing Primerica now for 36 years. I got people in my business been with me for 33, 32, wow. 30, making ridiculous amounts of money. Lives have completely changed because of the business. So the before and after pictures are the most satisfying thing for us in our business. We look at the before they got into Primerica, and now, years later, look at their life as a result of being in the business, paying the price, doing what was necessary. Because here's the truth. There's a lot of things that you could work really, really hard at. They're not going to get you anywhere. Yep. <laughs> you That's can, true. You yeah. can work as hard as you want. Yep. And it's not going to get you there. At some point, you got to start duplicating yourself. Right. If you're exchanging time for dollars your whole life, you, you're always going to be limited. Of course. Mm. Unless you invent something. Yeah. How many people invent something and become a millionaire? Very few. Very few. It's yeah. so small. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I got hundreds of people in my business making 100, 200, 300, 500, a million dollars a year that are like, came from average and ordinary. Not, you know what I mean? And just found the right vehicle that could get them there. It was where God wanted them to be. And they took off. Amen. So I want to talk about uh, how I met you the first time I met you. That was at Band of Brothers. Okay. I was preaching in 2004, and there was this uh, young man that likes to keep his testimony, you know, quiet. You know, I'm, I'm an open book. Yeah. You know, just like you, we have a lot of things in common. And uh, so I, I met this guy, and he was preparing a shotgun to kill his father. Mm. And he heard me preaching in the street corner. He knew me from high school. And he came, he heard the message. Long story short, he repented, cried out, gave his heart to Jesus, hugged his dad, and says, Dad, I was about to kill you. He's like, get back. What do you mean you were about to <laughs> I was preparing a shotgun to kill you. So he started uh, this foundation for the Lord. And I just kept, I don't want to give any more details. People are going to piece it together. Mm -hmm. And uh, he invited me to Band of Brothers. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, Serge, you know, it's, it's going to be something unique. And I said, I know, but you said it's a retreat, right? So when you think retreat, you know, yeah. yeah. But I, I'll admit that when I went to that Band of Brothers, I've never had an experience like that <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> like, never. So we're talking about... Uh, the helicopters, let me switch this here. The helicopter, uh, my friends were getting on helicopters, getting the helicopter ride. The other ones were going on the airboat, and, and you know, we brought our guns. Mike, you were there that first yeah. event, right? Yeah. yeah. To go shooting, and my heart was beating, but there was a bit bittersweet. You're going to hear both sides. And I'm sure you got a whole bunch of emails and yeah. stuff from different churches and pastors. And I, I want to talk to you about that. So the experience was amazing. I mean, we went hog hunting. It was like something I've never experienced. So we went for four years. Was it yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah, about yeah, four years. Yeah. yeah. So that that was uh, the message of the cross was amazing. So many people came to the front that you said, if you're a pastor, a minister, anyone that knows, you know, can pray for someone. Just go to the back. And we were just praying for so many people. So the message, the message was uncompromised. It was beautiful. Where I started having an issue, and it's because I have a street ministry. I deal with drug dealers and, and drug addicts. And was when I started seeing the leaders and even a pastor smoking a cigar. And I'm like, okay, Ivan, that's what I, I just said his name. Uh, my friend said, uh, 
that's what I was talking about. I'm like, oh, so smoking cigars and some of the leaders, I even heard them say bad words. And I was like, man, this is like new. Yeah. <laughs> like I walk on a thin line. Mm -hmm. I have my master's in theology, my doctorate in biblical studies. I have 50 rap songs. I, I dress not like your normal Christian. I, <laughs> I, you know, when I speak to people from the streets, it's not like, hey, my brother, I use the word like, hey, well, let me holler at you, my nigga. Oh, now you use that. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, yeah, like yeah. Um, very uh, on the line. But, and I was like, no, Shashari is off the line. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's like extreme. And so, yeah, we, we got to see stuff that was like, but now I get to see your background. And, but how did, I don't know. How do you explain that? The smoking, the cigars, the, the, the leadership that I even heard one of the leaders say, yeah, like if someone is dealing with an alcohol problem, I'll go to the house and I'll drink a little bit of alcohol with them just so they won't get drunk. And I'm like, like stuff that blows your mind. Like I heard. And that's why my friend was like, be very careful on what you say. And it's just it's, it's very different. So my question to you is, I know that it's totally off the wall and i'm sure you got a million emails how did you deal with that um the band of brothers number one obviously we're not a church right we're reaching people that will not break the door of a church mm -hmm. oftentimes when you see people and you say, oh, the leaders are talking in a certain way or doing a certain thing. Most of them are not leaders that are going to be up front. And now I'm not saying everybody that's ever up front. When I say up front, responding, giving their testimony, giving their story. Um, I started doing a lot of vetting about four years ago. By making sure, number one, that if you're if you're going to be a leader, number one, you're a Christian, right? Okay. And having said that, I think our churches are loaded with people who aren't Christians. Oh, they're professing to be yeah. Christians. Yes, a yes. million percent. They're not. Agree. They're not yeah. Christians. It's a hospital, yeah. and people, sick people are there. Yeah. Right. Yes. And um, they think they're well. Right. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. So many people are deceived. Yes. So. I'm very well aware that some of the people at our boot camp are not perfect and they're going to maybe use language they shouldn't use. Yeah. I personally do not have an issue with a cigar. Okay. That's like, I used to. When you say used to, when you first gave your life to well, Christ? Well, yeah, because... That's what I thought. That, I, I, was I got ask into, you, you know, I'm at Liberty University. Right. <laughs> you right, can't. Right. Like, I wasn't allowed to wear jeans for four years. <laughs> wow. Okay, like, oh. you couldn't wear a pair of jeans... I'm talking shirt and tie every day you to class. Slacks and I'm stuff. like, and I'm a street kid from Miami. I don't understand all this. Make your bed, <laughs> right. do this, do this, get written up if you don't do. It was all like rules, 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 rules. Right. Okay. And I was all about what I learned through FCA mm -hmm. because I was still in FCA while I was coaching and teaching, running huddles, doing this, doing that, on the board uh, of the FCA in Miami, et cetera. So I've seen every aspect of Christianity. Okay. And there's no doubt that there's some people that cross lines that I won't cross. Right. Because a lot of stuff doesn't square with be holy for I am holy. Yeah. You're like, what yeah. does that mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yet you hear language 
you hear uh, you hear stuff and you're just like for us a lot of our guys are still a work in progress when it comes to it's like the Bible says the old things pass away behold all things become new right the problem is it doesn't always happen overnight of course yeah, that's true that's clear. in all of us yeah. there's remnants yeah right now we can look back at our old self and there's certain parts of our old self, little remnant here and there, where the enemy comes in and says, that's where I'm going to get him. Oh, I agree. I'm going to put old thoughts, things he yeah. thought he was past, things he thought he beat. Right. All of a sudden, I'm going to make those things surface. Well, Let's see how he handles well, the it. Old, yeah. The old man starts, um, it's, it's kind of like, resuscitating the, the the old yeah. man and it's your choice to say oh yeah yeah I'm, a, I'm that man or hey i'm not that guy anymore and that guy is dead yeah but i had an experience in a church where i went to the pastor's house and i've i've found you know that they were like smoking cigars and they were having like scotch and stuff like that and at the time i've never been a drinker i've never being able to drink alcohol or anything like that my thing was women and i was like crazy with women but drinking or drugs or anything it was never my thing but it was super weird for me the pastor of the church he's from texas and he's smoking cigars and drinking scotch and it's not weird because it's the pastor of the church it's weird because the context doesn't make any sense to me right and it doesn't make any sense to me in this in this part, when I met Sergio, I, I remember he told me, hey, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, man, I did the prayer. <laughs> you know, same thing that you were saying. I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. I did the prayer. Why Why do you say that? You know, he's like, I don't think you're a Christian. And I'm like, why not? Because you speak like the world, you dress like the world, you act like the world, everything of you is of the world. So what's the difference between you and a Christian? And that made me think. So when I was there in that place and they're smoking and drinking and stuff, that's that's what came to mind. Man, what is the difference between this gathering of saints and a gathering of regular people from the world? There's no difference. The only difference is there's no women. But not every gathering is full of women and stuff like that. Some of them are like, hey, you just, you know, let's watch the game. Let's eat... Um, Let's eat wings and let's smoke cigars. And but it was it was just weird to me. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't expect that every church meeting it's gonna be oh holy, holy, holy. Like not with all the of them. Angels are. flapping their yeah, wings. Like, yeah, like we 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 just you know, we have gatherings with all of the people from from you know church and stuff, and we watch football games and stuff like that. But the whole issue with alcohol, cigars and stuff. It's very iffy. Why? Because there are people that, like my thing was women. So if you took me to a strip club, it would be like, dude, why would you bring me here? Right, you know what right. I'm saying? So if I have an issue with alcohol, why would you give me a drink when mm -hmm. that's going to trigger me to wake up that old man and that's going to give a foothold to the devil to just bring me Ooh. to that yeah. place? And that's that's the issue. That's That's what's not clear when you are exposed to that with people from the church. Yeah. Right. No, I, I don't have any issue with that at all. And we could add stuff to that. It's not just alcohol or tobacco products or 
there's also all kinds of stuff that are not out front like that is. Okay? If if you know anything about the statistics on porn. Oh. Outrageous. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about the statistics on just, it's like if my pastor's 85 pounds overweight, how is that a temple? Right. Mm. Yes. I mean, gluttony is also a sin. Yep. Now, I'm not saying it's the same. I'm just trying to make a point no, no. about I, how all of us, I totally get until, it. until Jesus returns, yeah. are working on all kinds of stuff yeah. in our character. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. we tell people all the time, listen, one boot camp isn't going to do it for you. You need to come back over and over again because here's what God does. Boot camp number one, he takes that onion. He says, let me just peel back this layer right here. And you're like, oh, Lord. And he, and he begins to take a piece of your character that needs some correcting, and he corrects it, okay? And at the same time, you can, you can go way over here, and your effectiveness for the kingdom goes away because you went so far over there that nobody will even listen to you. Yeah, yeah. that's true. You had no credibility. Yeah. yeah. You lose your credibility. You lo- exactly. And I see it all the time yeah. with uh, people who go, and and I'm not saying it's bad that you're like now like major league reformed in every area and you're just like, <laughs> okay, got it, bro. Yeah. Like yeah. Right, who have right. who have you spoken to about Christ? Yeah. Who's coming to the Lord? Right? And it's like, but I'm way over here. Yeah. And they're and, and the enemy uses that. Right. Spiritual pride. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and religiosity and yeah. it, it's a modern day Pharisee. Of course. Right? And we There's all, a lot of that in the church. And yeah. we all go through it. For, right, right. You know, for, for example, for example, like I've been I've known God for like 13 years and there's there's pride that God reveals. Like, hey, you're being prideful. But what do you mean we're like this and this and no 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 there's pride. And it's so subtle that you think it's normal. Yeah. And for God it's like that's not normal for me. I want it out. And it's like a thin layer that is like covering you, but it's so thin that you're like, nah, you know, I barely see it. And God is like, yeah, but I see it and I want it out. Right. Yeah. And all of those things are part of it, though. It's just, it's just hard because everybody knows that the standard is Jesus. So when you say, I'm a Christian, also you're perfect. <laughs> And when people see that you're not, yeah. they're like, oh, game, game over. Oh, so you're not perfect. They start, so you're and not they'll perfect. poke you. And they'll poke you. And that's not the issue. The right. issue is not, oh, yeah. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. Yeah. But when you make up an excuse to say that those behaviors are okay. Correct. Yeah. And you don't confront it. Yeah. Hey, man, you you know what? You're right. This is not right, man. And, and you're right. Thanks for calling me out on this. And man, yeah. I got to do something about it. And and let's pray. Or when that humility is shown, that speaks so much stronger yeah. than just being like, "Oh no, I'm just doing this because you know it's normal." And uh, that is the stuff yeah. that turns people off. Right. And that is the slippery slope that 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 we try to talk about because nobody really addresses right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Though. yeah. So there's a a saying that I learned a long time ago, which I talk about all the time. And here it is. Discipline without relationship leads to rebellion. Yep, yeah. I've heard it. <laughs> so 
if I see something in Mike, but I don't really know Mike, I better create a relationship before I start calling out his sin. Yeah. Me pointing fingers at you, you'd be like, bro, who are you? Right. What do you, I don't even know you. Right. It's hard to accept it. Yeah. Equity. You got to create equity Equity. before. Right. So there's no relationship there. That's not going to be accepted. Right. Now, I got guys on my leadership team now for, we've been doing Band of Brothers boot camps now for 12 years. Yeah, Several just, of my guys have been say, around for 12 years. I was curious on the history of it. Like, how did it, was it a concept that you created or something you adopted and kind of right. took on? Or? Right. So our main, our major yeah. event is the boot camp. Sure. Once a year, we do the boot camp. Then here's what happened. In 2000, John Eldridge came out with the book Wild at Heart. I was just reading. I was just reading uh, the other book yesterday. I, I love him. Like I read. Right. I read Wild at Heart three months ago. Okay. And I was reading um, uh, Father by God. Right. I finished right. this week. He's amazing. He's right. amazing. Right. So he started doing boot camps. His boot camps attract predominantly Christian leaders who are trying to get their men's ministry going all over the country and all over the world. And he runs a boot camp. Basically, the exact same thing we do, that's video, he's doing live. But he's doing it to people who are Christians. Okay. So in 2008, in our business, we birthed doing boot camps all over the country with a different twist. We're not just going to bring in redeemed guys who are trying to get their men's ministry going. Okay? We're going to bring in anybody. And we're going to attract them with... With men's stuff. Guy stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like men stuff. Like, yeah. let's do cool stuff. Hey, let's hunt, yeah. let's shoot, yeah. let's do stuff. Yeah. You come over yeah. there, yeah, this could be awesome. And yeah. they yeah. met Jesus. They're right. like, the last thing right. they expected. Yeah, that's, that's totally yeah. awesome. Okay? So the amount... Of, of prayer that goes on and the amount of stuff that's happening behind the scenes at our boot camps, et cetera. So that started in 2008. Now there's like 30 boot camps that go on all over the, uh, the United States and Canada. Almost all of them predominantly do just a boot camp. Okay. I so, saw so it's pe- one event a year. Yeah, for everybody okay. else. Okay. I saw our guys would come back from a boot camp and then it was time to plug them in. Oh, to local churches. Okay, gotcha. Because a lot of these guys weren't at a church. And many of them were at churches, had zero to speak of men's ministry. I don't know if you know the stats on men's ministry. Less than 10% of churches have a vibrant men's ministry. Yep. Because they don't know, they don't know, they don't know what to teach and they don't address the problems that we that we have. Right. They're not honest. Yep. They're not open. They're not transparent about what the real issues are. Yeah. Okay. The last stat I saw said 63% of pastors are struggling with porn. Yeah. Okay. You're a pastor. You're struggling with porn. Okay. Like, how what, many how many what, times have you heard your pastor get up we, and talk about his struggle with pornography? What do we do now? Yeah. Okay. What do we do now? How do we talk about it? Right. Like, yeah. they, they don't. They there hide is it. no yeah. authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because they're in a, quote, position. Yeah. And the bigger the church, the harder it is yeah. for him to be authentic. Yeah. Right? Because he's worried about what people are going to th- say or think. Like, you already know your pastor isn't perfect. Right. He has struggles like everybody else. It just might be a different thing. It might be pride, right? It could be spiritual pride. It could be gluttony. It could be uh, greed. Greed. Yeah. It, could, it could be alcohol. It could be drug. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
okay? But to think that this person who's getting up there every week is so perfect, okay? I, I was at Calvary when, when Coy fell, okay? My son, his second year at Liberty, had Christian Coy, Bob's son, room with him up at Liberty for a semester, hmm. okay? And they purposely had him room with Javin because they knew that Javin would be able to help Christian get through this very traumatic experience that he went through. Wow. Yeah. So the statistics are staggering yeah. when it comes to what's going on in the church. Yeah. Okay. So our guys would come back. I most of the time they're all over Miami, Broward, Palm Beach, all over Florida, now all over different states. I'm like, where do I plug them in? Like yeah. it's it's, it's like it's like when you share the gospel. Somebody receives Jesus, and then you're like, okay, cool. Read John, and then read the Bible. Peace. You know? Like, what? Right. What? Right. Hey, right. I, right. Need, I, need some, right. I need some guidance. Yeah. I need some right. walking. I need some discipleship. Yeah. Like, so, exactly. So if you don't have that effect, or if you don't have that follow-up after their encounter, it, it goes away. The statistic, exactly. statistics yeah. are huge in terms of Islam taking that as part of their game. Yeah. Oh, people come and they share the gospel with them and then they leave them alone. They don't know what to do. And then Islam comes and then they disciple them. Right. Into Islam. Yes. So I was in a, since you mentioned Calvary, I was in a, a men's group. And how's your life? Oh, it's perfect. And you, oh, from glory to glory. And when they were done, I got there and I said, so so you're not dealing with masturbation? And, and you're not dealing with uh, temptation and porn? It was like I said a bad word in there. <laughs> But after like three weeks went by, then the guys started coming clean. Wow. And then, yeah, it was every every uh, service that we would have would be on Thursday. Afterwards, it'll be 10 minutes. We separate. It was man on man and just opening up. Bro, it was such a difference. Yeah. After that, was like, hey, I need prayer, man. Yeah, I, just, I masturbated last week. Okay, you don't got to get too detailed now. <laughs> right, right, right. That it was just like, boom. And this is what it's all about, you right. know, being transparent. Right. So I saw guys getting taken out between boot camps. Like, they, didn't, they weren't plugged in. They're getting taken out. Because the enemy's like, oh, you think I'm going to let uh, Mike Casanova that, all of a sudden have have uh, be effective for Christ? <laughs> that, that, I'm that, going that, right after him where I know he's weakest. Let me take that seat. Right. Let me take that seat, right. you know? Yeah. Right. So we yeah. start doing rally points. Okay, okay. Six months. I mean, a year is too long. We'll, we'll do a rally point every six months. It's a little different. Great speakers, all that kind of stuff. We'll do a rally point. Boom. Not enough. All right. We need squads. Squad is a small group. So we start doing small groups that meet pretty much every week. And squads is, is the magic because... That's the discipleship. Yes. it's yep. it, Well, yeah. But when you get guys, and it's not... We're not doing Bible studies in, in squads. Squads is about... Tell me how your week was, man. What is your heart heavy about? What's going on right now in your life that needs prayer? Yeah. And now we're raining down heaven on those issues in squads. Right. We're just flat out getting after it in squads. Okay. Being specific about very specific. That's great. Guys coming, knowing that you know it's not about somebody up there preaching, and you're going, okay, another sermon. Meanwhile, my kid, I'm struggling with this, (laughs) and I'll never reach a statue. You know, it's like he's up there. Like my wife just said, she's uh, 
She's going to leave me. Yeah. And I got to listen to, uh, you know, <laughs> Mr. Perfect here yeah. with the first Corinthians uh, 13. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's yeah. going over first Corinthians yeah. 13. He's doing the love chapter. Love I'm going off. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know what kind of life you're living, bro. Right. That ain't my experience right, right. now. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who can I talk to? Yeah. yeah. Right. That's what yeah. squads are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we did that. And then I looked and said, how are people getting discipled? How are men being discipled at their churches? You know what I found out? Most discipleship programs in churches are an orientation to their church, not necessarily a discipleship program. Wow. I'm like, yeah, that's not discipleship. So I found CBMC, Christian Businessmen's Connection. They have a phenomenal discipleship program online. It's 20 weeks. So about four years ago, every time somebody finishes a boot camp, the following Monday we start the disciples. It's called Operation Timothy. 20 weeks. We do it Monday nights at 9 o'clock till about 10.30. And guys get on there, and boom, we walk through the foundations of what it means to be a Christian, the defense of Christianity, all the stuff that every man out there would love to know but has never walked through it. And it's a program done online where you literally go through and you answer the questions. It's not right or wrong answer, but right. there's all kinds of questions that it forces you to engage. And then when you come back that Monday for the class, you've already done it that week. So yeah. now you're ready to engage in, into that. In the, the conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like what we were doing with Bo, right. with the book, you know? Right. That's yeah. kind of yeah. like what we were yeah. doing. Yeah. Right. So this is all done online. I, you can track guys and see that they finished. They get a certificate when they finish. Like... Boom, you finish CBM, uh, you finished Operation Timothy. That's what it's called. Operation Timothy. Phenomenal course. Then we found out, okay, many men are really struggling with unforgiveness. Oh yeah. Hmm. Huge problem. So we found a guy named Mark um, Bruce Hebel from Bruce and Tony Hebel are from Atlanta, Georgia, and he wrote a book called Forgiving Forward. And that book, we have like five or six guys now that are able to teach the forgiving forward steps of how to go from uh, trying to drink poison, hoping somebody else will die. Yeah. <laughs> like bitterness and yes. unforgiveness and yes. stuff yeah. and eating that it stuff It totally up. like paralyzes you as a person. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You can yeah. never become who God wants you to be when, you're when you have all this. Stuff. Yeah, of it, course. We have to get rid of like everything, right? Ultimately, every layer of the young end needs to be peeled back. We got guys that have been to 30, 40 boot camps because they go to not just ours, they go to this one and they go to that one, they go to that one yeah. you know, and the Lord just keeps peeling back at every boot camp, right? Every boot camp, people come up to me and go, are those the same videos? I'm like, yep. How come? Are you sure they're the same videos? Yeah. They God to just me chose to today. show you something different this time <laughs> yeah. because he did not. Yeah. Listen, if he went and said, peel back every layer, you'd quit. Yeah. There's too much. You're so far away from being like Christ. All of us are. We're so far away that he just peels back one layer at a time, some, you know, or maybe two. Well, he can and, give you what you can take. You yes. Know? So that's how forgiving forward happened. And then we know that men struggle with sexual sin. And a lot of churches don't really hammer it or talk about it head talk on. Talk about it, yeah. yeah. So there's a program out there called the Conquer Series. So when forgiving forward, that's forgiving forward. So we go 20 weeks of uh, Operation Timothy. Right after that, we do forgiving forward for 10. Then we go 10 weeks of the Conquer series, which is 
everything going on physiologically, et cetera, and why you can't stop sexual addiction. Yep. And most people think that sexual addiction is like, you go to your pastor, he goes, bro, just stop doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you want me to try harder? I'll pray for you, brother. I'll pray. I'm yeah. praying for you right. week after week. So the answer is try harder? Yeah. All of them have tried harder. Yeah. And yeah. it never worked. And they go back. And, and they don't help. understand. Yeah. yeah. And the person telling them to try harder doesn't understand. Right. Okay. And I've never met a man yet who hasn't struggled with it in the past, is struggling with it currently, or will struggle with it in the future. I've never met anybody. So I've never, ever had a struggle. Ever. Right. Like, well, I come from keep, that. Keep living, bro. I come yeah. from that world. <laughs> and, you know, I was a sex addict and I was addicted to porn and all right. that stuff. And, you know, God set me free in about two-month period. You know, I had a I had a really um, funny encounter. God used a dog, you know, a little puppy that I had. He used that dog to show me love. And then what I was looking for in women and in porn, I couldn't find. And I found that dog. And in a, in a two-month period, he just, like, delivered me from all that crap. But I remember that when I was stuck with... Um, with the porn stuff, like I would watch porn on my phone. I would watch porn on my in my house on the internet. Like it was accessible everywhere. And I remember that I I had recorded like the history of the websites. Mm -hmm. So whenever I would put you know like one letter, the website would pop up. And at one point, I had to say, "Man, I I, I have to erase all this history. I have to erase all this stuff." And I have to try harder. But the try harder didn't really work. What worked was to have encounters with God where God filled my emptiness mm -hmm. with his love. And when I understood that, then I stopped looking for love in the wrong places. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to accept that as a man. Because your manhood somehow, some way, is based on, oh, you know, if I have the women, and if I do this, and if I have three, and you have a threesome, and a twosome, and this, and all that garbage that, that the world feeds you is what you have as an image of being a, a, a man. And when, when, you, when you have to come to God and say, God, I really don't know how to be a man, and you're honest about it, God starts showing you, okay, let me let me show you how I created or what what did I create you for? And that honesty, it's hard on your own, it's mm -hmm. hard in the world, but it's even harder in the church, man. Because accepting that we go through those issues, especially coming from leadership, is like it's like being naked yeah. in front of everybody. And they they avoid that more than anything else in the world. Mm -hmm. And especially what you said, you know, in a bigger church, losing that position of, oh, but I'm the pastor and I'm this. And, that, and all those titles are such garbage because at the end of the day, we're just human beings. And if right. we're having issues, we just need each other in order to support each other. We are the body of Christ. And if, and if, if, if the pink is, is hurting Man, the whole hand and the whole body has to take care of that pinky. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's so hard to get to that place in the church. So you guys being outside of the church or not being a church, you know, uh, as as a, as a church ministry or something like that, 
what has been the impact of you attracting people that are not in the church and getting them through that process that you were describing of the 10 weeks and the 20 weeks right. and all that stuff? Right. So we started Operation Timothy. We came out of the boot camp. A, a fairly decent percentage of the people at the boot camp had already been through Operation Timothy. So we had 60 guys. We've had 60 guys. Now we're in our fifth week. We got 60 guys showing up every Monday night. Many more that can't go on Monday nights are completing the course anyway. That can't be ahead there for, of time. Yes. Oh wow. They can't be there for the discussion, but they all have the the program. They go on cbmc.com. They go to D discipleship Operation Timothy, and they're doing their own personal Operation Timothy, because I'm the one who sends the invitation to them because I handle Operation Timothy, and I can see their progress. There's 20 weeks, and every okay. time they finish a week, five percent goes up. Okay. Oh, you finished one. Oh, you finished two. Oh, you finished three. Right. So it's 15 percent, 20 percent, 30, 25 percent, etc. And I know how many. Weeks that they've completed based on the where curriculum. Right. And we don't do that for any other reason other than encouraging them and all that kind of stuff. I'll, I know this, okay? I know the statistics on men. I know what's going on. I've done so much research on what's happening with men, especially men in the church, and I know what the issues are. And I kind of know what the solution is. The problem is the church isn't providing it. But because it means something to them that they're not comfortable with doing. Let me ask you mm. a question in regards to that. If you have ident identified what the problem is, why do you think that the church doesn't offer a solution? What you know? What do you think is the is the issue for the church? Number one, because it takes a leader of the men's ministry to be open, honest, transparent. In real, and if they do that, they, they lose. To, they, they lose their position. No, not not their position. They lose their reputation. Okay. Hmm. Because they have to be honest about things that they have struggled with in the past, things they're struggling with now. Don't tell me there's a man out there that's not struggling with something. Man, but that's so crazy because what Jesus says is that he he made his, himself of no reputation. In order to do what he did for us. And then we try to protect and keep our reputation. Some can lose like their job. So right. weird. Their job. You so, got to understand. So, so think about this. If you're the enemy and you want men to be ineffective, what would you do different than what the church has done? Nothing. He's got them. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we've yeah. come in and we said, okay, here's the stats. Your kid goes to church because they were invited by a friend. <laughs> they come home and they say, Dad, Mom, it was amazing. We have to go to church. There's an 8% chance that that child's going to get their family to church based on their experience by going. Of course. A woman gets invited to church from a friend at work, whatever. She goes to church, checks it out, comes home, honey. This was amazing. I've never seen an experience like this before. It was unbelievable. We need to go to church. 17% chance that family's going. A man gets invited to church, goes, finds Christ, comes back home. We're going to church. 93% chance that family's going. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we know it's the man. Yeah. How are we going to fix that? How are we going to fix? We got to get the man. You don't get the man, you don't you, get you the don't family. Get the family. Yeah. 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 If you don't get okay. the head of the family. Right now in churches, 
of married women are attending church every Sunday without their husband. Yeah. Wow. So why is that? Why is the husband not going? What what happens when he goes to church that makes him go? Bunch of posers. They don't understand what's really going on. Yeah, they, they, they don't the, understand the, the, the real issues, thing. The issues, the real issues, are never addressed. They're yeah. never addressed in a like generically. You hear it, but specifically, it's never addressed unless you actually have a one-on-one with the pastor, and the pastor has to be a cool guy that understands men and wants to be transparent and all those things that you were saying. No, and and for that to happen, it's what a. a uh, points, points, five percent. You know, like it's yeah. just crazy. Right, it's crazy. So, seventy-five percent of volunteers at church are women. Seventy-five hmm. percent. Think about that. Where are the men, and what are they doing? Wow. In churches, the men that are there are really good guys. Probably been a Christian a long time. Has learned exactly how to meld into the environment. That has created a culture of that church because every church has its culture. Yeah, it's 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 way about them. Right, not necessarily bad. It's just the way that they do things. Yeah, okay, and they know exactly how to hide inside the church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as John, a man, I think it's John Eldridge, the one who addresses that, and then he says uh, that in the church they play this poser. Yes. You know, they play this poser like, oh, you know, when you go to a church as a man, you're supposed to be this nice guy that speaks like this yeah. and it's like that. And 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 then he says, do you ever see Jesus being like that? <laughs> like Jesus was like a rugged man and he, he has 11 guys that are super rugged too. They're living out. They have to do tents. They're, they're, like, yeah. why why do they come up in the church with this? Poser Jesus and this image that we have to be like that, that's not a man. Yeah. And then the image of the man has been so destroyed. weirded out. It's yeah. been destroyed, yeah. especially by the church. Yeah. Right. Because we have to be this uh easygoing guy that doesn't say anything and that is and and then all the hunting and all this stuff. And uh, I think it's in Wild at Heart where he says that there's all this adventure that God wants you to have. And he created you for this stuff. And when you are in an adventure, you're in danger. But when you go through the danger and you make it, you're like, oh, I'm a man. The church never, never promotes any of that stuff. Correct. I, I wanted to ask you questions, but uh, Alvaro's not letting me talk, I guess. I'm here. <laughs> Go for it. So please restrain yourself. So you never really answered my question. So, um, and, and, and this is deep in your business. This is the name yeah. of the podcast. We want to get really deep in. So you, you agree with cigar. You also drink or no? Alcohol? No, okay. I, don't, I don't drink. You don't drink at all. Okay, good. So we agree with your theology. What you teach is just that. We learned that what you win a person to, uh, with is what you win them to. Right. So if you use the cigars, you use the man talk, the day you stop doing that is the day they're going to stop coming. Um, I've seen a lot of men, when I go there, I minister to the ministers. So your guys that are not leaders, but the ones that are kind of in charge, those are the ones right. that I minister so, to. So this, like, like right now we have 125 guys on the leadership team. Yeah. 
to get on the leadership team, they, they, they were vetted for how they became a Christian. Okay. They got to sign a statement of faith, which is a pretty generic statement of faith with a few other things added to the end of it that uh, most statement of faiths don't include stuff about LGBTQ, stuff about gay marriage, stuff about. Uh, I like that. Uh, stuff that statement of faith don't include. Look, I like that. Here's the thing you're going to cross over and say you're a leader. You got you to gotta be able to. It's a whole different ballgame now. Right. We got a lot of imperfect people around us, and I don't expect you to be perfect. But we've had to do some vetting. Okay? Why? <laughs> I could tell you st- <laughs> I could tell you crazy stories that I found out later about certain guys. And I'm like, how in the world did this even happen? They answered everything correctly. They was all, okay, you're good, you're good, you're good. But out of 125, there's probably 20, 25 guys that are like gotcha. the inner circle. Okay. Okay, that are like here. Yeah. Are guys smoking cigars? Yes. Okay. Are really good on the outside men you would call strong followers of Jesus really struggling with stuff? Absolutely. Every one of them. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I don't I, I might I might smoke <laughs> one <laughs> cigar a year. I don't even smoke cigars. Right, right, right. Okay. It's just you have to decide, okay, is this like is is cigar smoking? Um, does it send you to hell? No. no does it make no. you smell like you've been there? Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't send you to hell. Okay. Right. So yeah. you yeah. know what I mean? It's like yeah. every day, if I have a thought that is outside of the target that God has for me, I sinned. Okay. Now, I'm not justifying any of this. And I'm not even going to begin to justify every man that ever comes to a boot camp. Right. Here's what I do know they have a real encounter with the Holy Spirit when they show up there. Okay. And then we have a lot of, a lot of things to plug them into that, whether it be Operation Timothy for Discipleship, Forgiving Forward. And we want everybody to go through it, even though you're you might not be struck. Like you say, man, I've been a Christian for forty years, I don't need discipleship. I understand, but I want you to be able to check off the box because you're going to learn stuff in there that you totally forgot, or even did, or go, man, I didn't even realize this or that or whatever. And if you're going to be part of leadership, we want you to go through it so you can yeah. you can say, okay, I can now help somebody who's struggling with unforgiveness. Right. There is a systematic process to help somebody through that. There's a systematic process to now help somebody who's struggling with porn. Yeah. Even though you might not be, how do you struggle with, how do you help somebody without saying, just stop it, brother? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what they get. Yeah. That's not the answer. Doesn't yeah. work. They've been trying to just stop it for right. years. Yeah. Okay. So there's a way to do that. And we, we help, we help guys through that. We, all the different things that we're doing in Florida that right. all the other boot camps are doing, they're doing a boot camp every year. Yeah, and they're hoping that they get plugged in somewhere. Then I start doing research on men and what's really going on. You think the war on women is bad because you always hear about the war on women. That's nothing compared to the war on men. Yeah, that's true. Okay, the, the statistics on men are absolutely staggering. So I I'm going to make sure that we we ham- we get to this answer again. Yeah, because we'll come back to it in another thirty minutes if we, yeah. if we don't answer it. And and I'm telling you that I don't have. For you, I have to decide, right? 
is cigar smoking a sword I want to fall on? And like, I got a lot of really like impactful guys on the leadership team that smoke cigars. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has to work with them on that. I tell my guys, listen, the way I run Band of Brothers on the leadership team, theologically, mm-hmm. is probably more conservative than you could possibly ever imagine. Yeah. Okay? And they don't, all, they don't all like it. Right. Okay? And I'm very clear with them about where I'm at and what the standard is. Yeah. Okay? But it doesn't mean I'm kicking you off because you smoke a cigar. Of course not. No, and, it right. doesn't mean... Right. And that's not yeah. the so, point. I'm no, so I understand they, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah. but my thing is this. I guarantee you a thousand percent, if you didn't smoke cigar, no one in your team will smoke cigars. I don't smoke cigars, so no one in my team. I do rap music, so people, you know what I mean? So what, what I'm trying to say is that you're the problem, basically. I'm just telling you. Yeah. Like if you didn't smoke cigar, you, that rule wouldn't even be thought of. For example, if you had a hint of homosexuality, man, I'll see a whole bunch of guys with the, hey, brother, hallelujah. I see it in a lot of churches. <laughs> I see the funny one. I see it. But I think that when you first get, and I can be wrong, when you first gave your life to Jesus and you had that encounter, you were gung-ho. And then you were like, oh, I don't know, there shouldn't be nothing wrong with smoking a cigar here and there. And now you kind of implemented it just to kind of say, hey, it's kind of cool, but I don't think it is. But that's yeah. just my opinion. No, I understand that. Yeah. But I, I can promise you this. Yeah. None of my guys have ever seen me smoke a cigar. Oh. Ever. Oh, wow. I've never smoked a cigar at any of our events ever. Okay. As 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 the, the leader. But you allowed it. Okay. Yes. Yes. There's no question. Right. And so Calvary okay. had their own their smoking section. Do they still have that or a no? Lot of, a lot of... I, I, I know. So. A lot a of lot pastors of people, in Calvary yeah. smoke cigars. Not just Calvary. All yeah. over the place. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, they... And of I'm course. not saying good, bad, or whatever. Of I'm just course. saying they've course. chosen that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is the thing about me. I came from just like you. I knew nothing about uh, Christianity, so when I came into it, I just read the Word of God. So I started learning all these church politics and all these fake people, and I'm like, like I came from the hood. So coming from the hood into the church. And seeing church politics, yeah. seeing pastors lie, and and just all these things, it's like it's so foreign to me. So the cigar for me was a shock. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And the drinking and the cursing, and I'm like, what? Like, what did I get myself into? You know? And I just learned that not everyone is born again. It's that simple. That's the only way my mind is going to understand it. Everyone's Christian, but not everyone is born again. And I love you, bro. We think alike, yeah, yeah. and it's like... Yeah. Man, I think this is the beginning well, of a good and, and, relationship. Barnum, Barnum did a study like four yeah. years ago in yeah. Broward County. And they asked, I think, five or 6,000 people, are you a Christian? Mm. 78% said yes. Wow. Mm. They asked, they followed, are you a Christian, up with, are you born again? Mm. Now we're down to 38. <laughs> okay? From yeah. 78 to 38, because that whole born again thing threw them off. Yes. They, didn't, they don't even understand what, it, what they're asking. Well, they, yeah. they ran yeah. from it. Because mm. in their mind, born again is like, that's the weird Christians. Yeah. Okay. Something's wrong with you if you say you're born again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question Are you a fully devoted follower of Christ? Meaning, you go to church, you read the Bible, you pray. Mm. 3%. Wow. Wow. Mm. That's okay. How big was that so, poll? Huh? How big so was that Over 5,000 people. Yeah, wow. That's okay. Crazy. In Broward County. 
It was just a Broward County poll yeah, that they wow. did that. Okay. So once you know that, you know the truth of what's really going on. Mm. Okay. Especially yeah. with men. Now, we feel like we know how to bring men in. The question is, and listen, this this evolves and gets different every year. Yeah. I become more and more uh strict in how I vet people who come in, mm. right? And what they do. Right. Right? It's we're bringing guys in all the time. I'm not looking at resumes. Let me see your Christian uh, resume. Can <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Can, can I see what you've done? And, you know I mean? Yeah. All How that many kind of years stuff. of ministry and this and that? Listen, when I was coaching at Calvary, uh, I was coaching football uh, when my son was playing and all that kind of stuff. I had to sign this whole statement of faith. I had to write out a bunch of stuff about what I believed, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, this is cool that they're really making sure that people who are going to be a part of, you know, working with kids and all that are on the on a yeah, on the right track. Right. Yeah. Um so, you know, as <laughs> it's like other people who run other boot camps think I'm absolutely nuts. Hmm. They go, "I would never do a statement." I said, like, "Why not?" Once I hear their answers, I know I should be doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm like, yep. "Nah, bro." <laughs> I said, "Listen. Here's how this works." John Eldridge lives in Colorado, okay? The devil up in the mountains of Colorado, he visits once in a while. He lives in South Florida, here, bro. Yeah, here is yeah. every he day. He lives here yeah, every yeah. day, all day, every day, all day long. Yeah, dude. You look at the, the impact that the culture has had on the church to the point now where we have churches all over the country that have lost their way, and they have no idea how to get back on track. They're woke, they're allowing stuff that is Things, yeah. layups, biblical layups they're allowing in their church. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Mm. Okay. So we have a lot of issues in the church. Yep. Okay. And for a long time, in the beginning, I'm like, we're going to get all the churches on board. We're coming to a band of brothers boot camp. They'll come. Just come, check it out. You don't have to do anything. Just yeah. watch, and then come back, and hopefully you'll be able to bring it to your people. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. No. We got a lot of pastors that come now Yeah. because they know the heart of, course. of what we're doing, of and they're all in. Yeah. It's not that they agree necessarily with every single thing that they see or hear. Yeah. Because <laughs> we got, like, I don't know if I hung out with the disciples— whether it would have, like, bro, the banter back and forth with a bunch of fishermen, I can promise you, it probably got a little off color at times. Oh, Guys dude. going back and oh, forth at course. each other. Yeah. Okay. At times. Was that the major issue? No. Right. But there is a standard that has to be met. That's And if you knew the number of guys that I've had to ask not, look, bro. I want you to come to everything. I want you to be around us. I want you to do all that. You just can't be on the leadership team. I don't know that I got a lot of guys on my team that would be willing to have those conversations. Right. I don't know if I know a lot of pastors that are willing to have those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So from that standpoint, I'm not telling you we're perfect. We're a work in progress. And I'm bringing in, here's the other thing. When you're in church, for the most part, 
you got people who are like-minded theologically. Here's your statement of faith. Here's what you believe. It just, bro, we got all kinds of people in the Band of Brothers yep, yep, that coming from yep. all kinds of backgrounds, yeah, 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 all yeah, kinds yeah. of different, yeah. sometimes weird stuff, yeah, right? That yeah. you're like, okay, how do we deal with that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, the whole thing about <coughs> the gifts in our statement yeah. of, of faith. We say we're not going to emphasize the gifts. We're not going to say that there's no gifts. We're not saying any of that. We're just, it's not going to be a big part of what we do. It's not what we do. Okay, so we're not going to have all this confusion because this guy's over here doing this. This guy's like, what does all this mean? And it becomes really confusing. But that's my issue. We can drink, we can smoke, we can listen to worldly music, but we can't speak in tongues. We can't lay hands on the sick. We can't cast out the. That's my issue because I read what the Bible says, but I don't see it. Now you're saying you implement that. And I see you, you, you. Are you Calvinist, John MacArthur? Are you me? Le- yeah, a little more. No, I. The, you, the jo- truth that's is, Johnny. That's Johnny, man. No, 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 no. I know it. <laughs> I, of course, I yeah. Do. I, so I you're know not a Calvinist. No. Okay. I'm more. Look, look. Yeah. I just want people to get into the kingdom. Amen. Yep. Okay. Yes. That's. I'm like. I'm an evangelist at heart. Yes. First. Yes. Okay. But I've been around long enough. And I've seen so many altar calls where I've seen no changed life. Amen. For 46 yes. years I've been yes. seeing this. Yes. We agree. That I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. And here's the thing that scares me. How many people are sitting in pews every Sunday? Believing they're in. Just warming up. Because the they said a prayer yep. at some point. Yeah. Yep. That's our problem. Yeah. <laughs> that, we our... always talk about that. Yep. Now, now, for example, yeah. like in, in what I was saying, and maybe I'm super ignorant about it, but for me, it's not an issue of do you smoke cigars or do you drink or this and that. That's not the issue. Because, like you said, if people are going through their process of change, that's okay. The issue is when somebody does that and it's like, oh, no, but 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 it's okay. Uh, no. Right. Like, right. For me, like for mm. me, in my ignorance, for me, it's not. Because that's what felt weird when I walked in that in that meeting and I see all them drinking and, and, and like having cigars. And I'm like, bro, this feels yeah, weird, wrong. That was my impression. And it wasn't even a, a, a band of brothers or anything. It was in a church where you I never, was going. You never went to band of brothers. No, I have okay. never been. I've right, never no, been. No, I always wanted no, to do the no, hog no, thing. Now you're going. Uh, yeah, I wanted to do the hog thing. I'm like, yeah. oh, you're shooting hogs yeah. from a helicopter. I want to do that. I was like, yeah, I want to do that. Oh, we we exaggerated the alligator. We exaggerated it a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Mike yeah. was like, we were shooting. I'm like, I imagine there's Mike helicopters. They're shooting. Yeah, there's yeah. alligators. Yeah, I'm thinking, but I'm, not necessarily. I was thinking I'm Rambo shooting yeah. Yeah. hogs like this. Yeah. So, so the issue for me is when. When these things happen, and then the church goes, oh, yeah, but but it's normal. It's okay. That's the issue for me. Yeah. If it happens or not, man, it's like if I hit my, my toe and then I curse. You know, man, this got out of me. Oh, dude. Hey, I'm not that. Oh, I'm sorry, God. Uh, I can't say, oh, yeah, I curse because, you know, the pinky and, yeah. you know. I cannot justify that stuff as normal behavior of the kingdom. Yeah. No, now, I, I that, agree. First of all, I agree completely yeah, that's, with that's, the cursing that's issue. issue. I agree completely with, uh, by the way, 
we have a very strict policy of at every one of our events. There's no alcohol allowed, period, end of story, at any of our events. Now, has there been guys come to our events yeah. and maybe have something? I've watched yeah. those back to the truck. I've watched them. Yeah, like, a few but times. you can't control. Yeah, that. You can't we control. Can. Yeah. But I've watched I mean, that them. might be happening. That, that I, yeah, I'm yeah, not I've aware. And if it. I see it, I'm like, bro, we're, we're a non. Yeah. We we do not. This is a non-alcohol uh, facility. And right, you're bringing right. people no from facility. from the world that right. they, yeah. they have no idea. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So I mean, I you know I know you used the analogy of being at a pastor's house and drinking and all that. I just want you to know that there is no alcohol at our events. Is there no alcohol at our events? <laughs> right. I have heard stories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when we hear it, we we address it big time quickly. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the facility would not have let us there if we were just openly like it's a non-alcohol yeah. facility. I okay. guess the shocker for me was watching a pastor and I visit his church smoking a cigar and smiling. And I'm like, like this stuff is like serious to me. And I'm going to finish with the cigar thing here. We know yeah. that, you know, but it's like, it's okay to smoke cigar, but you can't get emotional in church. It's like, you, you, you can do these things. Hey, I'm just human. Yeah. You fall into porn. It, it happens, but they don't allow the gifts. Speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick. And I'm just saying, Jesus ministry, period. And it's taken away, but the flesh is being brought in. And this is what I'm seeing because, again, no, I, uh, the only thing my parents were into was probably uh, witchcraft, you know, blah, blah, blah. We watch all this weird stuff, and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we were uh, Catholic, you know. But when I came at age 24 and I gave my heart to Jesus, it had to be a real transformation from 1994 to now. And I give God the glory and the praise. I never backslid once, not once. And my addiction was women. I was never into drugs, never into alcohol. That, that wasn't my life. It was just women. You know, it yeah. was such a stronghold that when I gave my life to Jesus, I said, Jesus, you can't set me free from this. I was ignorant. That's blasphemy, you know, but it was such a stronghold that when he set me free, when I learned repentance, he set me free. I was so terrified. I never wanted to go back to that lifestyle. So when I see stuff, because I grew up in that lifestyle, in that world, worldly mindset, when I see that now in the church and it's being implemented, especially when you see the homosexual movement, Man, there was a pastor, and I'm not going to name what church I was in, but, oh, he's a leader, he's the pastor's right-hand man, and, and he's had this house, and he, he does all of this in ministry, and he's like, yes, guys, and I just want you to know, and I'm like, am I the only one that noticed that he's a flaming homosexual? You know, so you may say, well, you're judging him by the way he's talking. I mean, if you talk like one, you walk like one, you're homosexual, you know? Uh, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was, before that, I was the most ghetto. I could not speak proper English, you know, and, and, and it was just another, I was another person. So you don't see me still speaking slang like that. And, and unless I'm going to minister to someone, Paul became all things to amen. So what I'm seeing is the church is becoming soft with all of this. Well, yeah, you know, I don't see nothing wrong with drinking. You hear it all the time. So I tell the pastor, well, why don't you put the liquor in what, when you're preaching on a Sunday, but put the liquor there, put your tobacco and preach. And let's see how many people are going to stay, you know. But the Bible does say that um, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. But he says to Timothy, you be watchful in all things do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. I believe you're a man of God. 
truly. I, I wanted to hear your heart. Um, I just see that the strategies that you're using, I won't be able to use it just because of the the how I minister. I'm, 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 I'm a street preacher. And unfortunately, I can only see black and white. I can't see gray. So when I see compromise, I see danger because of the, a lot of a lot of guys I minister to are, are currently heroin addicts. You know, they're on crack and all type of addictions. And it just takes one little puff and it's like, boom, you can do that. You can do that. I said, no, you can't. But if my pastor can do it, I can do it. That's where it becomes dangerous. No, I, listen, here's, here's how I look at it also. Because we've had a lot of guys um, come to Band of Brothers and, ah, oh, it's great. It's phenomenal. I see what you're doing. It's just not for me. And my thing is, listen, I want you where God wants you to be. Yes. Okay? So 12 years ago, I went to my first Band of Brothers boot camp, and they asked me to take over Florida and start running Florida. Obviously, <laughs> we've taken it much further than all the other guys are doing, but... The point is this, being a part of Band of Brothers is not for everybody. Right. Okay. The goal and purpose of every man in Band of Brothers is to get every man activated and be a warrior for Christ on the front lines, fighting the battle, the spiritual war. That's going on. Never before in our entire lives has this war yeah. been more. Listen, 2024, get ready. <laughs> it's coming. We are going to see stuff in 2024 that we've never even imagined could ever happen in our lifetime. Yes. Think about all the things that have happened in the last four years, five years. Okay. All activated by COVID in terms of the amount of control our entire yeah country of the United States of America has completely ignored our constitution and ignored everything that we are about as a country and gone their own way. We are literally living right now in a Romans one world. Okay. And God just said, and I gave them up. They made their decision. Bow passion. I believe that what's happening right now on our country is divine judgment. God's allowing us to go through what we're going through because we left our first love. Mm. As a country, we were founded on Judeo-Christian ethics. Almost all of the signers of the Declaration of Independence and the signers of the Constitution were strong Christian men. That's behind us. For the last 100 years in this country, we have allowed demons I didn't know there were demons 40 years ago <laughs> to take over every segment of our society. And it's not only happened in the United States. It happened everywhere else first. Yeah. A lot of countries went that way, which is why so many people are trying to get in the southern border. Okay? Now, not yeah. all of them are trying to get in the southern border for good reasons. <laughs> they have some nefarious reasons, too, that they're coming over. Okay? Waiting to be activated. Okay? And I just think 2024, the election year, all the power that has been taken over, all of a sudden this election is huge when it comes to bigger than anything else. The shifting. The shifting. God is separating out. If you look at the church, for example, 
God's saying, pick your side. And a lot of very well-known pastors have picked their side, and it's the scariest thing I've ever seen. People I used to listen to and think, man, this person's on it. And they're scaring the living daylights out of me with some of the stuff that they're doing and saying. And I'm like, man, we're in trouble. The Band of Brothers is here to, for those who say, yeah, that's the, that's the battle, that's the war I want to be a part of, Okay. I don't want to surround myself with a whole bunch of people who say they're Christians and do nothing for Christ. Yeah, and not. I want fully surrendered, which is a very difficult... I, I think I'll spend my entire life trying to become fully surrendered because I don't know fully what that means. Like I still have remnants. I still have thoughts mm-hmm. that I go, I'm not fully surrendered. What does it, what does it mean to completely die to self? It's an everyday you know, thing, though. Right. Yeah. We got to die every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he understands he's the concept, control. but he's just saying, like, it's yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. You know? it, it really yeah. is. It's very it's difficult to, yeah. to, to get to the point where you're like completely surrendered yeah. and dying to self. And it's not about you. Yeah. You know, and I tell my guys all the time, it's not about you. This isn't about you. Okay. You don't need praise. You don't need recognition. All right. For what we do. Yep. We're introducing people to Jesus the real Jesus, <laughs> okay? And I gave this talk on the lion and the lamb. Just like I told you earlier about success, some people come in, they're ones, twos, and threes on this continuum. The truth is, Jesus is the perfect balance between lion and lamb. Amen. The problem is, almost everything we hear in the church today is lamb. Yep. All through the scriptures is stuff about the lion. That's it. Okay? And if you don't understand how to balance the two and understand that Jesus is a perfect balance, the church has gone the way of the lamb. Love, peace, mm-hmm. joy. It's all, it's all okay. Yeah. You know? What Jesus hippie say? <laughs> now, if you were part of the mafia and you were trying to get rid of somebody, what would you do? What, what what's a what's a well known way that the mafia makes people disappear? Kidnapping. Kidnap? What do they do? <laughs> they make them disappear. Cement shoes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. You know what Jesus said? If you lead one of these astray, you're better off putting a millstone around your neck and being dropped yeah. into the bottom of the sea. Yep. Does that sound like a loving Jesus <laughs> to you, <laughs> right. yeah. bro? That's mafioso t- type stuff. <laughs> That's the yeah. lion of Judah yeah. that we don't want to talk about yeah. in the Christian world. Yeah. This is, listen, Band of Brothers isn't for everybody, but here's what I've seen. The pendulum has swung so far away from what a true man of God is supposed to be. All we're saying is we just want to swing it back and talk about both sides and talk about God's justice, not just his perfect love. Okay? And... Talk about, listen, we believe that men wanted to be invited in to a battle, to a war. Like that's like the, for the heart of a man, they want to be on the front lines. They want to learn what it means to fully surrender. They want to they learn what that means to be a part of a, of, of, of a purpose and a mission, a biblical purpose and mission. And I can tell you right now, if it means sitting on the sidelines and not offending anybody and not being out there 
taking ground for the kingdom. And yeah. we all know what taking ground for the kingdom means. Right. People are coming to Christ. Okay. People are being discipled. We're getting them healed. We're getting them ready. And we're activating them. Here's the problem. Right now in this country, we have millions of people that we are worried about that the moment we go to war with Iran, these millions of people are going to be activated and all kinds of chaos is going to happen all over the country. Yeah. Okay? That's what we're worried about. Everybody, everybody kind of knows it and just hopes it never happens. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay? Here's the truth of the church. We have millions of people who call themselves Christians sitting in pews who walked down an aisle some point, some way, and have had no real life change at all to speak of that believe they're in, and they're going to hear the scariest seven words in the Bible. Yeah. Depart from me, I never knew you. <laughs> yeah. Okay? And that's what I'm about. Like, are you truly saved? And are you ready to get activated? We need to activate. And now there's a whole bunch of other Christians. They're Christians. Okay, they're, they're in. But when you look at what they do for the Taking ground, like once you're in, you need to take ground for the kingdom. Right. But here's the thing: if I'm the if I'm the pastor of a big church, any church, I want my people dependent on me. I don't want that. I want them independent. I want them activated. I want you out. I want I want you to have a ministry that you're doing. I want what is God calling you to do? Now go do it at a high level. But that can be a threat too. They can lose their position. Of course. They lose their position. They lose that person. That guy goes start a church. He goes somewhere else. He's but, gonna be in ministry doing this. But, He's but be that's, ministry that's doing what that. Jesus invites you to. Hey, yes. leave it all for me. Right. Not keep your position for me. Hey, be afraid for me. Right. No, leave it all. Do like yeah. do follow me. They're they're worried about being offensive in some way where they're good people are gonna they're gonna go away. <laughs> We should be. We should be having people leave. Of you course. have to draw the every line. Week, yes. you have yes. to draw every week. Every week, people should be leaving our churches mm -hmm. because Absolutely. the truth of the gospel is offensive. That's it. Yeah. When's the last sermon you heard on, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, let's talk about what that really means. And talk about all the ways that other people believe in our churches that there's a whole bunch of ways to get to heaven. <laughs> people who call themselves Christians that believe there's a whole bunch of ways to get there. And I, I, just, I just can't come to terms with the fact that God would send all these people to hell just because they don't believe in Christ. He's not sending anybody to hell. They're deciding to go there. Like, yeah. Exactly. You're, you're, you have free will, yeah. dude. I think money is the factor and position because you're not going to sell your books anymore. And right. pride. As soon as you say hell, no, well, you know, they, Jesus loves you, but there's, there's two parts to that. You know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. People will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end shall be saved. So now is this beautiful gospel that you hear. Yeah, the the gospel is supposed to conf confront you. No, and and you know? and, and like you said, there's a beautiful side of it. Yeah, but like if you punch me in the face, I'm gonna get mad. I'm gonna get in a different feeling in a different mood. God created us in His image, so imagine when God gets mad. But nobody wants to talk about when He gets mad. Nobody wants to talk about the warrior God. 
Oh, but the peace and All you got to do is read the Old Testament to find out how much of a warrior it's, God is. It's just, it's all over <laughs> yeah, the place. Man. It's yeah. all over the place. Ask, ask Sodom and Gomorrah. Ask all the different yeah. ways in the Old Testament. Listen, the only reason he's not doing that now is because of Jesus. Yeah. And yeah. I think Jesus pleads with, listen, just be patient. There's a few more coming to me. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah. So I personally believe I'm going to see Jesus' return in my lifetime. Wow. Okay. If not mine, my kids for sure, without a doubt, my grandkids. Oh, he's coming. Okay. He's coming. All you got to do is look at everything that's happening and go, oh, yeah. he's coming. This is happening so fast now. It's yes. so it's accelerated. accelerated. It's so yes. accelerated. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so what does that mean? Like, is the average church even talking about it? Yeah. Do they, do they really get into what's going on and how to prepare? And here's the thing that the, my number one beef with the average church out there is this. The culture is giving answers to everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Come on. When they go to church, they better get the biblical answer to everything. Yes. Mm. And they're not getting it. Correct. So they're saying, okay, I went to church. They never talked about gay marriage. They never talked about homosexuality. Yeah. They never talked about LGBTQ. They never talked about drag queen story hour. They never talked about all these yeah. abhorrent things going on in the culture because they don't want to offend anybody. And so the culture's dictating what goes on. What what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of what God's word says. Right. Yep. Yeah. Listen. It's offensive. You should be offended. Because God's word is not inclusive. It's exclusive. Yeah. You're either <laughs> and everybody in or wants out. it to be inclusive. <laughs> oh, come on. Come mm-hmm. on. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Die to self. That's it. Take up my cross and follow me. Listen, not everybody's willing to do that. Yes. Right? See, for me, it's easy because I know what it takes to win in business. And I know what, you know, like, I know it's it's a battle, bro. You, you, you're going to war. Because the whole culture you have to be is telling you this. In. You said it you got to be all Exactly you right. you got to be all in. That's it. Otherwise, mo- you're not going to win. Exactly right. <laughs> and most people don't understand that concept. For me, it was easy. I became a Christian and I knew what that meant. I'm made in the image of God, so I'm all in. Let's go. Okay, now, do I see stuff every day that I don't think is a good good thing? Yeah, I do every day. That is <laughs> from from people that I would expect not to see it from all the time. Well, the question is, how do you handle that? I've chosen to handle it through relationship first. Okay, and. I've told a lot of guys who I don't really have a very good relationship with that they couldn't be on the leadership team because mm-hmm. I don't really. I found, I found out early on that they're living with their girlfriend. Okay, for example, yeah. guys are living with their girlfriend. I'm like, bro, we love you. We want you to come to all our events. And I tried to like create. It wasn't me pointing fingers at you. It wasn't right. me. Like this is what the church needs to understand. There's a way to do things in love. Yeah, yeah. And there's Definitely. a way to talk to people that doesn't come across condemning. And, and hateful, and all the things that the church is so worried about happening. But people need to understand that if you're not ready for a leader position or a, a position in leadership, it's not, it's not, it's nothing personal. You're just not ready. At the moment that you are, then God will give you the position. The thing is that most people want to be leaders because it sounds good, but you have to carry the weight of the responsibility. And if you're not able to, then don't do it because it's going to crush you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I have a lot of people that always sign up to be on the leadership team, and they never even make it to the first event. <laughs> I tell them, listen, the enemy's going to come at you like you would not believe. Oh, yeah. Because you put your hand up and said, I'm going to go to the front lines. Yep. And he's going to do everything he can to take you out in ways that you did not even expect. And by the way, the enemy never comes at us where we're strongest. He comes at yeah. you with your weakest. Yeah. You think, oh, he's going to, ah, I'm fine. I got that. I... No, bro. When you say, I got this, mm. that's when I know you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. You got nothing. <laughs> okay? Yep. When yeah. you say, I got this, I know, uh-oh, we got to watch out. This guy's going down. Yeah. Okay? Not fully understanding the power of Christ and depending on that. Right. Jesus got this, not you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And depending on anything else, you're going down. Amen. It's just a matter of time. Hey, Mike, we're going to have to bring them back, man. <laughs> this is just we're we're touching the cream of the crop. Yeah. You know, there's some stuff that was said that. Yeah. Um, so in closing, it's past 11, man. And I, I can be here till late, but I know you have a curfew. <laughs> I got to run a business. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, any final questions for um guy? No, no, I think just just to share like my personal experience with it, obviously, you know, with the Band of Brothers, you know, it's like Sergio emphasizes like it was such an a, amazing creative idea. Like I started coming when you guys were in the Naples doing the one day. The one day event, in Naples. One day yeah. in Naples. So that was the rally point. That was one the rally day rally point. point. Yeah. Now we do it uh, three days, but you have the option of coming for one day, two days, or three days. Right, right. So we've been doing the three days, even binging like the coming in early, like the Thursday, and then and then staying Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, yeah. Um, no, it's been it's been amazing. Um, it's been a really good experience through the process, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed the fact of um, you know, bringing all these particular, you know, in other words, in in, in Christian culture and the church culture, you don't really see, you don't have that good men's fellowship. Just it's so hard to find, yeah. so hard to grab to when you and when you see it, ah, you just grab to it because <laughs> you're like, ah, like in the world, it was so easy with my worldly friends to just go do manly stuff, but in the church, it was so hard to find men that you can like, where are those men that? Yeah. that and when I was my worldly friends, we just go, you know, whatever. Let's go light this dumpster on fire. Cool. Let's go do it. Like it was just easy and fun, and we just did things. Why can't we have that in the Christian space? Yeah, the the adventure, you right, know, is not right. there. It's always this right. like uh, tame, yeah. you know, type yeah. of thing. That you can't do this. You it's, can't do yeah, a gun. Lamb. Oh no, 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 no! Yeah, yeah it's well, like, yeah. dude, let's go walk through yeah. the marsh and hunt a pig. Yeah. You know, like where are my brothers in Christ that <laughs> yeah. are going to do that and and yeah. be able to? It's the lamb. Yeah, and, and <laughs> no, yeah. you you yeah. you're it, it just you experience so you understand like you're. Your platform created that experience. I never hunted hog in my life. I never thought about doing it. I never thought it was like, oh, whatever. Me too. I saw, I signed up. I was like, oh, you want to try a search? Okay, cool. Let's yeah. go. Whatever. It's literally changing my life. Yeah. But the, just that experience. And then, and then you know, this past uh, November, I was actually able to take my two seven-year-old sons first time hunting. So to have that all tie in from an environment that you created, just to let you know, I mean, that's, that's powerful, you know? Yeah. And... And it's just, just something so simple, but it's something that it, it brought so much joy to me to know like there's other believers out there that have the same interest as me. I'm an outdoor person. I love outdoor stuff. So to have that same interest 
And to be around believers in this type of environment, it's it's awesome. And because of you, he owns thirteen hundred guns now. <laughs> <laughs> I think since Banner Brother, we kind of moved up. In my wife's life. listening. Yeah. My wife's listening to he the owns podcast. One Stop. <laughs> Stop. He, he owns one that got us in trouble at the last. <laughs> yeah. trip, I can tell you that. I heard about it. Yeah, we heard. We heard. Oh man, yeah, we kind of upped up. You know, a few cents because yeah. it's yeah. just. Oh, every time it rolls around, oh, well, we got ammo. We got to what, yeah. what new gun what, are we going to buy? What caliber we don't have. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's just get it. Yeah. It's well, fun. get ready. We may need it for things that you didn't anticipate. <laughs> yeah. You'll be hunting soon. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got to uh-huh. be worried about being the hunted. <laughs> Tell you that. Yeah. So, so any final questions for him? No, that's no? it. I was just, yeah. you know, just appreciating, yes. Um, yes. you know, just understanding that there is. Um, the impact that it's making, you know, it really is. And, and in me, your aspect is to focus on, you know, the man, you know, bringing them in and be manly. But I think just for like seasoned believers like us, we just want an environment just to yeah. relax in and, and, and just to come in and just do manly things with other believers. Like yeah. just that little simp, that's what like really touches me so much about it. I mean, it. this is, this is session one, the heart of every man wants a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Yep. And therein lies pretty much the story of every movie we watch. Yep. Yep. There's, there's a battle to fight, there's an adventure, and there's a beauty at some point in the movie to rescue. Okay, Most men never get to the adventure because the culture's saying, back up. Here's the thing. If we don't get men to start stepping up, and being who God created them to be, okay? Right now, women are out of their natural role. Yeah, they're trying to be men. Way out. Yeah. And here's the thing. A lot of men are going to a boot camp and coming back thinking they're just going to step into their rightful role. <laughs> and their wife's going, hey, deadbeat, for the last 10 years, I've been be- I was you. I've had to step up and be you because you wouldn't be you. And they've taken over. And they're not going to just say, oh, oh, sure, take it back. Take it back. You can now be the leader, the provider, the protector. Okay? You've been sitting on the sidelines for 10 years listening to the culture tell you to do that. So I took over. Okay? And I get it. That's that's a battle that's going to be fought. And it's going to take a lot of strong men to, to take their biblical role back. Okay? In our society. And this culture war and this this war that's <laughs> taking place and it's going to continue to take place, it's only going to happen when, when men get off the silent track. Way too many men don't talk about anything. Yep. They don't yeah. talk about anything controversial. They just, hey, man, I'm just, you know, going from glory to glory. Happy wife, happy life. I just want to watch the that's, football game. Yeah. I just want to watch the basketball game, game yeah. and don't yeah. bother me. Yeah. Dude, like, we got to get out of that. That's the stuff. garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's a saying, happy wife, happy life. That's Ooh. the most garbage I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. When you really break down what that means. What it means is just do whatever she wants. Whatever, whatever she mm-hmm. says yeah. goes. Yeah. 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 You could be miserable as a man. Yeah. Just, just make her happy. Whatever, yeah. whatever. Yep. And half the time, yeah. she doesn't even know what she wants. 
They're, and they're not going to be. But I know like, one thing she wants. Not she doesn't want that from yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to be happy no yeah. matter what you do. They're going to find something yeah. to tell you that you're doing wrong. And it's and, just and a mess. A lot of men are, are the head of the house, but the wives are the next. And, that, and that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. And if you use one, if you ever use that, just mention my name. Right okay. Now. Got right. it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Got it, doc, doctor. Face. Got it. <laughs> Got it, doctor. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh my goodness! All right, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> so that was a uh, guy Shashetti. We're gonna bring him back in, and man, this man has just so much knowledge, so much wisdom. You guys gotta follow him. Uh, go to Band of Brothers, and but most importantly, go to the website, and man. Really, really, really find a mentor. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it is. Maybe it's catchy. Maybe it's not. But if it is, man, go for it. God bless you.